to an arts degree I'm still not sure I know I skipped three years worth of lectures Just to binge watch awful shows There must be some scholarship For accruing worthless knowledge It's my only talent, honey That and losing money Excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor, bachelor. Hello, and welcomes three the bachelors of hearts as podcasts, the bachelors Australia's podcast that asks the questions. Is it possible to mm. have a conscious conversation directly after a two-hour Bachelor episode renders you almost unconscious? It is something that we are going to try and unpack here on this, the brand new episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. We are recording live after episode 11 has aired. Max Quinn is my name. They are Xavier RN. Hi, Xavier. Hello. My name is Xavier Rebetsky Noon, and I love The Bachelor. I'm a strong defender of the humble segue. Mm. And of course, I hate the coronavirus. We are recording on the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello to you if you are a First Nations Australian listener to the BOH pod. We're here to recap episodes 10 and 11 of season 10 of The Bachelor's Australia. The Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook is where you can join us to talk about the show. Oh boy, we want to get this to you as soon as possible, but I think that I will be... What is the word that means... um, deeply asleep by uh, the end of this like uh, you're in rem yeah you're joining the band REM. i'm joining the i'm michael stipe that's honestly a great look for you a great fit and i'm really excited thank you so much look xavier i don't think there's too much to cover in these episodes no we've introduced ourselves that's you in the corner yeah that's me in the spotlight <laughs> <laughs> uh yes look, we're trying to get into this thing as quickly as possible because we know that there is going to be a lot mm. uh mm. Not coming too- up <laughs> Yeah, not to say We that say see you to three bachelorettes. We meet the families and also Damien again. Uh, right. And Thomas continues to be a man from another planet. Yes, yes. Uh, look, all of them. I mean, truly. We're digging into some real weirdness here. This We're truly getting into the minds of these men. Utterly bizarre behavior coming up on the BOH pod. Right. But before we do dive into an episode recap, let's catch up on what is happening in the world of The Bachelor, Xavier. Right, so this is funny because we recorded an episode literally like 48 Less hours ago. Yeah. Uh, so not a huge amount has happened. Has anything happened? Yes. I, I'm keeping my eyes and ears peeled, you know? Um, so first of all, this is something that I spotted whilst doing my, um, regular check-ins with everybody's Instagram followings. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that Ella Teal or Thiel, we never really learned, the first person, I think, to enter the, enter the mansion this season or one of the first, as well as the first to leave after self-eliminating in episode two. Oh, this woman. Yes. We barely saw her. I I don't blame you for forgetting what exactly was going on Ella, I barely know her. Right. Um, Ella has deleted her Instagram page. Oh. She's... Fully off the grid. Okay. Uh, I don't really know what it means, to be honest. I hope everything's okay. Look, I think it's great, honestly, to get off social media. I hope she's enjoying some privacy, some time away from from the perils of, of social media. And, you know. Yeah. I wonder, look, you know, I initially I was like, I'm going to make a joke about how all of the glitz and glamour of all of her many, many Instagram followers <laughs> got to her or whatever. But 
we don't know. Well, no, yeah, her, look, I think she's just going right. like Bon Iver style, right? She's gone to a cabin in the woods <laughs> and she's recording her album, For Ella, Forever Ago. <laughs> I fucking can't wait. That sounds great. Fabulous. My other piece of news, and this, this one is mm. a cheat. You asked me earlier tonight, do I, do I have any news? And I'm like, yeah, I'll cook something up. I got a couple. The other piece of news is we've been getting lots of really wonderful messages and DMs and comments and condiments from all of our friends and listeners. Yes. And I just want to say thank you for everybody who's been along for the ride with Huge us Huge item this of season. news this week. Yes. Yeah. And so top story, well, second story, I guess. Is After Ella deleting her Instagram <laughs> is that we love you, listener. Yeah, we think our listeners are great. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean, this is, uh, uh, that's all I could muster. But I know that you're the real news hound. You know that I have got my nose to the ground. Right, exactly. And you, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you're following some trails. I don't know, breadcrumbs. I, I, I don't want to try and judge what's going on in your um, process. You know, it's really a mystery to me. So anyway, please let me know anything <coughs> um, that is rising to the top of your inbox. You know, anything your sources have come to you. Oh, sources. That's so, what yeah. we talk about on this podcast This now. just in. Mm-hmm. Former Bachelorette contestant Waza. Fucking Waza. Is crook at some cows. Oh, no. Wait, he's, hang on. Yeah. Like, he's he's not crook as in, like, sick. He's crook as in, like, he's mad he's at He's cranky. Them. Oh, no. Well, he's what are he's the... mad at some cows. He's got mad cow disease, as, as far as I know <laughs> that that's what that means. Okay. Tell me more. So, you might recall Waza from Angie Kent's season. He had to dress up in a chicken costume, and then he cracked the shits and then left the show. Yes, of course. I'll yeah. never forget it. Um, now, he's got the shits with some cows who have ruined a fence that he has to fix. Oh, no. So, uh, Waza's Instagram stories, um, he's posted there, at fucking Waza, he says, these cows, they just want to destroy this useless bit of fence so that I've got to fix it, because no shit, I don't know if you can see this, but they fucking ripped their heads right through and mowed this bit of grass all the way down there. Is this a transcript? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Did you transcribe it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, that's what's going on with me, Zave. That's fantastic. I didn't ask for news about you, but... (laughs) Um, that's awesome. I'm so glad that Waza continues to be plagued by barnyard animals. <laughs> Just like no matter where he goes in his life, uh, he will always be up against them. E-I-E-I-O. It's and totally so on. amazing. Okay, we actually are trying to rush into the recap <laughs> of this episode. Uh, so let's begin with The Bachelor Australia, Season 10, Episode 10, which aired... Tuesday, the 24th of January. We start with a girl chat at the mansion while chopping veggies. The women recap the previous night's entertainment, the type of thing which might be really helpful if there'd been, for example, five or six days between episodes (laughs) where, you know, you might feasibly have had enough time to forget a couple of the things that have happened uh, or, you know, to think about anything else or see your family or leave the house, for example. Some things that I miss doing. (laughs) I truly sent a text to my parents being like, I would love to catch up. Truly, but we have so much on. In a week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The topic of conversation is Jess, who is conspicuously absent from this girl chat so that they can chat about her. So we hear Big Gail saying, if she's honest, she would go to Felix and say, I want an open relationship, but she's not doing that. She spins things in a way that he suddenly thinks it's open to open communication and it's not. This is fascinating. It is the thread that we will continue to pull for 
I don't know, the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's right. Apparently, this is just going to keep going forever. I love that we have all acknowledged everyone in the mansion, everybody mm-hmm. watching, the two of us. We're, we're all, we all understand and accept that Felix's tiny brain can't be trusted to get around this. Yes. You know? I don't know if it's that Felix's tiny brain can't be trusted to get around this. Mm. I think that Felix is being told one thing by Jess... Uh, and hasn't it thinks that he can win Jess over because of the Damien thing at the moment. I'm yes. being generous. I think you're I think yes, there's there's truth to that for sure. We also see Crystal wearing glasses for what feels like maybe the first time. I don't mm. remember seeing this. And saying, quote, my thing is it's like not my position to say, which is also a bit of a transformation from her, you know, at least from her sort of archetype up to this point. Apparently it's also not her position to see. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Anyway, we launch right into the final single dates, one for each Bachelor, and uh, the show sort of cross-cuts throughout them, uh, but we'll talk about them one by one just for the sake of clarity. Great. So single date number one is Felix and Jess uh, enjoying segues on the beach. Um, It's a great cocktail. Um, Felix describes the Segway. Like, have you ever? Let's talk Segways. Have you ever been on Segway? I've never been on one. You know what? We've talked about Segways on this podcast before. I can't remember why. They must have come up on a previous Bachelor episode. Definitely. Maddie J season, I reckon. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I've been on a Segway. I like the Segway. I think it's, well, I nearly said cool. It may not be cool. Mm. It's kind of cool, though. Hey, speaking of Segways, (laughs) go on. What happened next? Well, Felix describes the Segway as a, quote, motorized chastity belt, (laughs) which is funny but rude. Uh, We watched them whizzing around for a while. Um, I think they've asked them to not go very fast because it's funnier that way. Yeah. Um, I know from experience that you can actually limit how fast a Segway goes. Like, there's a little thing that you plug into it Mm. that has a speed setting to it, and it changes the top speed of it. It doesn't... Like, a Segway you know, unlocked can go however many kilometers per hour. But for most uses, when you sort of rent one out or whatever, when, you know, when I did my Segway tour of Paris, right. which I think I've talked about before, uh, they, they lock you to a certain speed so you don't cause any insurance problems or whatever. Okay. So I think what they've done here has been like, you can have the baby setting, you know? Got it. Um, which and is very funny. And that's true because speaking of how slow a Segway can go... Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, the whole the whole personality of this segment is they are chewing up airtime. Yes. Because we all know that Felix and Jess need to have a conversation, right? A conscious conversation. Well, yeah. Um, and as demonstrated by everything that happens on this episode and the next one, they want to avoid making that happen. They want to stretch it out as long as possible. It's so... Like, I think Jess in particular wants to avoid having this conversation. Yes, which I can understand, but also, for the viewer, it is a somewhat frustrating experience. It's a very frustrating experience. I think intentionally on the behalf of the show, right? Yeah. They're telling us, we want them to have this conversation also. Watch it just get batted back and batted right, back right, and right. batted back. Um. So in ITM, Felix says he knows he looks uncool on the Segway. And that's sometimes an uncomfortable thing. I care about how I come across. You could have fooled me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he says, every time I'm with Jessica, I find myself opening up to try new things. Like I'm dabbling in polyamory, for Christ's sake. No. Hate this. Yeah. Obviously, we've said it before, but... 
being The Bachelor is quite explicitly dabbling in polyamory. That's yes. not a surprise to anybody. Yes. But also the, for Christ's sake, expresses a level of casual contempt that I'm not particularly comfortable with. It'd be nice if he cared who he came across, you know? <laughs> Are we filthy already on this podcast? Could be. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see where things go. It is, uh, it's 10 p.m. right now as we're recording this. It's a hot night. after dark. We're in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, Felix is very dismissive of the segue, and I'm not going to keep blathering on about this or anything, but, uh, you know, it won't, it won't surprise you to hear I'm a segue defender. I think they're cool. I think they're fun. They're not just for dorks. So when Felix says, I came into this a strong pub-going footy-watching bloke, now I'm riding a segue with my little helmet on. I think not just about the segue. I think that also exposes some of his fucking weird feelings about like what it means to be a man. Masculinity. Yeah. And mm. like, you know, uh, it also, I feel like I have some questions about who he thinks is welcome at the pub, which in my mind is everybody. You don't have to be like That's a manly man to go to the pub. That's true. And as a not entirely manly man who fucking loves going to the pub to watch sports. Yes. That's oh, I sometimes something me. that I have felt. Yeah. yeah. As, a, as a non-binary person who occasionally, you know, prefers to refer to themselves as a man and occasionally doesn't. I love the pub. The yeah. Pub's good. The whole point of the pub. Yeah. You can, be a, you can even be a woman there. You can pubs. be your unadulterated self. <laughs> pubs. We'll take them all. <laughs> uh, also, he's like, the thing about wearing a helmet seems weird. Like, everyone <laughs> should be wearing a helmet. Yeah, real men don't wear helmets. Regardless of gender, even, no. you know, whoever you are. All this is to distract us from the fact that they really need to, in fact, not do donuts on the beach. Yes. And instead, have an open and honest conversation with each other for, like, truly ten minutes. Yep. And that would solve everything. It would just make everything so much better for you, for me, and for them. Yes. We have some more of the show's patented, hilarious, ribald... Is it ribald or ribald? I actually don't know what this word is. It's like naughty. It's oh. like a little bit cheeky. It's like oh. a little bit randy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like the kind of podcast we feel like we might be doing tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they do some of that that special uh, sexy comedy where the, the camera is facing in the wrong direction uh-huh. while we overhear the two of them saying like, oh yeah, that's the spot. Like push at it. Keep going. That's it. You know? And then and and then so on and and, then, and before we realize that we we're actually just talking about a champagne cork. Oh, that's funny. I did laugh a bit. It's it was alright. All right. You know, it's I'm 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 not made of stone. <laughs> uh, Jess says that Felix's openness and willingness to learn about open relationships has been a green flag for her, even though it might not be something he wants in his future. Uh, I agree that it is better than nothing, but also I think his. Uh, approach his sort of openness or his like continuing the conversation around it or whatever is kind of just masking what seems to be his real feelings about it, which is like, he's not super interested in actually getting engaged in it. I think that he is tolerating it rather than accepting it. Yeah. Uh, He says, if the urge is there, it would be unsettling for me because I'm not used to that way of life. But if the urge is there, I would rather probably have that known and whether I would say yes or no is dependent on the situation. Okay. It seems to me from that statement that the issue for Felix isn't fidelity or trust uh, or, you know, his insecurity or whatever. It's that he wants the power, you know, he wants Hmm. final cut on Jess's sex life. Yeah. I think we see that continue to play out. You know, he's, he's concerned about, 
not having the authority. Agency, mm. for sure. I, and, but I think that... But, like, he not even... He's not worried about his agency. He's worried about hers. Like, he doesn't want her... Having sex with other men. He wants freedom. to have a monogamous relationship. Mm. That's what I think. Okay. Um, Jess tells Felix, Sometimes when I look at you, especially when you're off in the distance... When you're not close by me. I think I could legitimately fall, like, in love with this man. <sighs> That's so funny. That's such an interesting... So, we... we <laughs> talk constantly on this podcast about the ways that people dilute the word love in a sentence. Yeah. Um, and I always find it fascinating because it seems to be they find a new way to do it every time. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen it happen geographically. Geographically <laughs> is a really, really interesting one. Yeah. From a woman who is incredibly avoidant, she is still managing to fill the checkbox mm. while also placing almost the maximum possible physical distance yeah. between herself and her perspective. Like, she's saying, essentially, I love you when you're not that close to me. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, like, truly, from like, a distance. From a dis- like, it's so funny. Yeah. And I think you're right. It speaks to the level of distance that Jess wants from him in a relationship as well you know she doesn't want to be boxed in locked in that kind of thing which I applaud and agree with but also uh you know it's funny that this is how it's manifest right right um more on manifestation later we will talk about it uh also I love her saying this man like she's she says I think I could legitimately fall like in love with this man when she's talking to him yeah it's just another like slight layer of distance away from right right exactly like it's not you she gets to the end of the sentence and she's like, well, I don't want to... I'm not putting all my cards on the table right now. What can I do to back off just a tiny bit? Right, know? right. It's very funny. In ITM, Felix misinterprets this. Maybe willfully, maybe not. Is that my favorite Oasis album? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, I've never heard a woman say, I can feel myself falling in love with you, which it's is not, not what she said. said. Um, I've never allowed it to even get to that point. It makes me feel scared because I'm not in control anymore. There it is. There That's what's making me think. Okay. That, I think. Okay. Yeah. We watch them kiss on the beach, and I reflect on how we watch this whole segment, and they have still not had the conversation that they <sighs> very clearly need to have. Let's cut across to the single date number two. This is Thomas and Kiki who go stand up paddle boarding together. No sign of a surf dog bachelor reference, which is a shame. I feel like this show has forgotten its history. Very sad. Thomas ITMs. There's so many elements of me that are in love with Kiki. And we'll touch on this again in a little what bit What does... None of that means anything. Yeah, I, it must mean something to there him. because so he many elements it. of me. Oh, anyway. you're right. I didn't do the voice. Last time I spent... Oh, I'm losing <laughs> it. I'm losing it. Last time I spent time with Kiki, she brushed off the answer to whether she would have more kids. I don't think she brushed it off. No, I don't... That's not how I remember this it happening. This not what's either. happening with Jess, right? Like, Jess is kicking the rose down the road. Kiki right. was like... Depends. Right, so she said, and they even play the clip, which I yeah. think is in her favor. Um, it's something that they could discuss more when the time was right, which to me is not a brush off. Yeah. It's a woman saying, sorry, it's our second date, and I'm not comfortable making a guarantee that I will bear children for you just because you want them. On a TV show, yes. Right, and, and also like, yet, you know, like she's still uh-huh. leaving a little bit of space open. She's saying like, I can't guarantee it. I'm not ruling it out. Right. But, like, don't stake everything on my womb, you right, know? Right, right, exactly. Um, Kiki asks what he thinks their relationship might look like after the show. And Thomas answers, after this, um, we kind of, like, take our time to really live every single moment. 
get to know each other more and experiencing the creation of life with each other um, and just growing it. Uh, That's what I see. Is he referring to bearing seed? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that experiencing the creation of life together, yeah. like that could be a coded way of saying having children or it could just be like Thomas talking yeah. about being alive. Right. So Thomas, I think in my opinion, he's either having a really hard time remembering the word for veggie patch <laughs> you know he's like oh yes the creation of a beautiful cucumber or whatever like you know or he's saying i am planning to do big fat cums inside you <laughs> and you had better be okay with raising Yikes. our demon spawn <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> we went there it's a late night podcast you know we went there Kiki smiles through the discomfort and says she wants it to continue to unfold. They'll keep dating and finding out more about each other. Mm. And Thomas ITMs, I still don't have a defined vision of what our future could look like. I don't feel as you if I've got say. the answers I was looking for. I feel like there's, a, there's, two, there's two statements that he makes there. Yeah. And there's a difference between them that yes. I think maybe he and maybe the show is glossing over. I think Kiki's being about as clear as she can yeah. without saying like a hard no. Without or like breaking a, the rules of the show. Well, that's true too. But without either saying like, yes, I promise you my womb is yours for the taking uh -huh. and let's There's get started ASAP. Or without saying like, I'm truly not interested in doing that. Yeah. You know, she's, she's articulating that like, she can't rule it out either way. Um, but also don't count on it. Right. But because Thomas isn't hearing what he wants to hear, he's writing it off as her not being sure. I, I think he thinks that he just has to convince her. I think that's how Felix feels about Jess. Well, that may also be true. It's hard not to think about the Felix-Jess situation because we just spent literally 90 minutes. A lot of parallels there. Yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing, though, from... Let's, let's bring it back to Thomas and Kiki. Yeah. What I'm hearing from him... Separate those clauses again for me. So he says, I still don't have a defined vision of what our future could look like. That was true even... Like, she asked him. She was like, what's the vision? And he's like, we'll grow life together. Right. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, true. that is on par with every other answer that he has given to every other woman on this series. Well, no, I think it's more specific than that because I think he's he's voicing that it is important for him to um, do big fat comes in her. And make, oh, okay. make it, like, I really think that's, that's you know, when he says, like... The creation, the of, creation life. of life. So you think that he is referring to bearing children? For sure. Oh. Yeah. I Do you not think that? When I heard it the first time, I didn't think that. Right, okay. I was being a bit facetious in putting that to you earlier. Right, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so... No, I think that's definitely like, you know, I mean, I can't, I actually can't really imagine what else he might mean. I just thought it was like pseudo spiritual garbage that he was like, we'll do the creation of life. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Like the creation of life is something that they might do. They might people uh, on participate Sunday. in day by day. Right. You know, like if it's prefaced with this, like we'll do take it one day at a time and we'll do the creation of life together. Oh. I mean, yeah, I guess uh, it doesn't feel like that's what he's saying to me. I know what you mean though. Yeah. That's what it felt like. The second clause is, I don't feel as if I've got the answers I was looking for. That is the important one where he's like, okay, she's not said what I wanted. And I agree with you on that point. Yeah. All right. That's pretty much it for that single date. Let's move along to Jed and Angela. Um, Angela, I feel like I may need to actually remind you, uh, is the one that Jed brought to the Pink Flamingo and whose conversation with him was chopped to bits in the edit. Um, although if you also have been watching the more recent... You know, if you watch the new episode, you probably have a, bit, you a know better idea of who she is. 
it would seem to me that they've got a lot of catching up to do. And we see ITMs from Jed and Angela both saying that there are important conversations that they need to have. This single date will be crucial. It'll be make or break. Is Angela the one that's in the polyamorous relationship? <laughs> no, she's not. Oh. I know you keep wanting to bring the conversation back to is that. It so, it's because it's so weird that like Jed is interested in having a serious conversation about something. <laughs> no, but this is... I, I got to bring you back to Earth because this is really important. It's Earth super me. important that they that they uh, have this conversation. They yep. get to, you know, they really get to um, break down some Dig of the key in. specifics here. So naturally, they get put on fucking quad bikes. Big, noisy engines running hot and they're on separate vehicles. Yeah. So their conversation is occasionally yelling things at each other like, you snooze, you lose. It's so funny. Which like maybe actually what Thomas's vibe is with Kiki. I don't know. Um, I, I can't keep crossing the streams like this. Our, viewers are gonna, our listeners are going to get confused. Angela ITMs that this is something she'd like to do on the outside world with Jed. Something tells me that won't happen. I mean, for one thing, he doesn't even like the beach. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to enjoy any of this. Yeah, but I. Although not... the quad bikes kind of fits with like the country boy aesthetic. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yes. Um, later on, what looks like a fishing boat, maybe a bit hard to tell. It's Two a boat, boat dates. Yeah. Uh, Jed describes their date as quote the perfect balance between actually being romantic and actually having fun and actually having time. That's a really interesting sentence. I think maybe he's just like filling some space with words, but like the fact that he says actually being romantic feels meaningful. And the fact that he also says having time, that to me is such a like bachelor code language thing or whatever. Um, Angela ITMs, I could see myself falling in love with him. It just kind of feels like it's meant to be. I can actually see it happening. This has come out of nowhere. It is bizarre. And we hear it echoed again in the next episode, and it still feels like a shock. Yeah. Uh, She tells him, I hope you know that I wouldn't be here if not for the person I'm here for. I could easily walk out at any time. And the camera pans down from their faces to their hands, which are resting on top of each other on Jed's lap. Mm. And she says, I can see you as being in my life, which is, (laughs) that's true. That's great. (laughs) Happy about that. It's really hard for me to say I love you, but I'm falling in love with you. And I think it's worth noting that this plays out while the camera is not focused on either of them. So that A, the audio could be spliced in from somewhere else and we wouldn't know about it. We hear her say this exact phrase in the next episode. Right. But also B, I think it subconsciously makes this declaration less important than the other ones that we're hearing. I think it's more important because we're looking at her hands as in to symbolize ring. That's a good point. That's See, for me, this felt like, oh, that's a, that you've unlocked that for me. Because for mm. me, it was like, you know, we're not looking into her eyes, you know? Like, I feel like looking into their eyes as they're saying it, you're, you can gauge how meaningful it is or isn't. Mm. But you're right. The, the hand, hand is thing, where the ring goes. That's where ring lives. That's a great point. Max Quinn, you're a great host of this podcast. Every so often. <laughs> Come on. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the end of that one. Um I don't have much of a thesis statement because you've just absolutely blown my mind about what happens there. Well, well. So let's talk about this. Is it a group date? Yeah, it's very hard to say what this is. Right. So now that everybody has been on one or two dates. (laughs) Okay, maybe two or three if you count the like 20 minute blind dates at the start of the season. They've spent sufficient time with these men. For sure. Yeah. So it's time for sexologist Juliet Allen to give them some couples therapy. Uh Uh-huh. You know, because they're couples. Yep. 
Yeah. This is what it looks like to be To a be couple. in a couple. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted that this must be a really weird day at work for Juliet Allen. Like, how much info can you possibly glean about these people's relationships that have lasted for, you know, six weeks tops That's and very about true. three hours maybe in yeah. total? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as Osha tells the women about the group date that they're about to start having, we see some true faces of terror and disgust from the women as he reminds them that they might be proposed to in just a week or so. Um, very good uh, moment to screenshot or to watch back over. I assumed, you know, this is episode 10. I, I figured that they would do a better job. You know, when they brought the rings out, episode one, I figured they would do a better job of building that into the storyline mm. so that, you know, by the time that we get to this point, it wouldn't still feel like a gigantic imposition on everybody. Oh, I love that they didn't, though. Well, it's fascinating and it makes the TV, well, it makes the recapping interesting. But also, it destroys the reality, I think. Like, I don't believe any of the relationships are at that level. No. No, but I think that I entered this not thinking that any of them would be able to get there based on who our bachelors were. That's who I felt, too. But I thought they were staking their claim so much. You know, they were backing themselves. They were calling their shot. They were, when they brought the rings out, I was like, oh, well, they're going to have to earn that. Uh, isn't and that they really interesting? Because like, I feel like this comes back to the conversation that we were having earlier in the season about casting. Mm. Because I felt like they picked at least two men who were going to propose and they felt confident of that at the end. Mm. Uh, whereas, like... I but think I don't think we're seeing that. Like, I, you know, based on especially the episode we just watched, like, they don't feel ready. As much as they might have seemed like they might have been ready the women or the men the men oh i think like i think that they are ready i think that thomas and jed have been ready since the drop yeah i don't see it at all what i mean is that i think that they think that they're ready yeah i don't see that either really yeah no i don't okay i think they are still uh panicking thomas has already said to us i plan to propose at the end of this yes (laughs) (laughs) these two things can coexist very easily to me Thomas is not a rational person. Yeah, I mean, this is true. Uh, We'll get to it. Well, there's plenty more to talk about. All right, all right, all right. On to this relationship counseling slash group date question mark. Just quickly, incidentally, apart from Osha Ginsberg, Mm. who is the fairly cool host of this show, Juliet Allen, who is dropping in for this episode, is far and away the most famous person on this entire season. For sure. I was not super aware of her beforehand, but I did a little bit of Googling and like she's got 134,000 followers on Instagram. She has her own sex toy. Well, like... I'm pretty sure she's good on TikTok also. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't just have her own sex toy. A lot of people do. She like has her own sex toy. Sure. Uh, She has the number one sexuality podcast in the country. Great. I think we're number two. (laughs) Maybe we are. (laughs) I think so. That would be great for us. Check the charts lately. Uh, So, yes, this is basically like a celebrity cameo, you know? Cool. Juliet meets the men at the batch pad and gets the lowdown on all of them and their final threes. It's all stuff we've talked about before. Except Thomas says this, which I think is funny. I'm in a unique situation. I've been single for two and a half years. <laughs> Thomas, look, I'll give you this. You are unique you for are a, a number of reasons. But that is this not one it. of them. <laughs> uh, also, I, I want to briefly mention that it's, it's funny to me that the men will describe themselves as single, like right yeah. now, 
when when it suits the plot. But otherwise, they will say, you know, I'm in a relationship with X number of people or whatever for dramatic effect. Right. You know, the how how real or fake the experience, quote unquote, of being on The Bachelor is, is a sliding scale. Definitely. You know, and, and especially I think we're seeing that this season. Absolutely. Anyway, something has evidently clicked into place with Felix. And this happens quite abruptly because out of nowhere, he ITMs, I want a monogamous relationship. I can't be with someone who's in a polyamorous relationship. I need to put my foot down and have that conversation with Jessica today that this is a deal breaker and that boundary can't be crossed. Now that's interesting because like it's been probably eight episodes of like spinning the wheels. Am I in a, yeah. And also not to spoil anything, but we're still fucking spinning the wheels, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, this is really, really funny. It's great dramatic irony from the show, knowing what's to come. Do you think it's specifically dramatic irony, or do you think it just seems ironic? Like, to me, I feel like this is this is a false uh, promise. You know, this is the show being like, don't switch away, don't go watch the tennis, because we're about to have this conversation you've obviously been expecting. Maybe it's not dramatic irony, and in it the becomes sense that ironic we don't context. know what Jess is about to say to Abigail. That's true, yeah. So, Big Gale also shares that she's reading a book about the female orgasm, which Felix is quick to say, oh yeah, I've heard of that, Uh, before adding, quote, I'll believe it when I see it. Yikes. Felix, like, this is is a joke I feel like you can earn your way into making. Yeah. Like, if if you have the vibe of a kind of person who perhaps has... You know, I mean, look, I don't know. Who who am I to say this? But I think like, this is a really funny joke. <laughs> yes, I agree. But I think also you earn the right to make that joke. And yeah. I think if you're somebody who is coming off as a bit too desperate to talk about how you know your way around. like I've seen a vagina before. Genitals. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, look. Uh, look, I love that he made this joke. He comes across with a level of confidence that I don't understand. Like irrational confidence. Right, yeah, yeah. And this... Uh, has carried him through the whole season. Yeah. I expect nothing less from him at this point. That's <laughs> true. And it is just a phenomenal piece of it's... particularly comedic timing. And if I have, I'm going to at this point credit him with anything this season, mm-hmm. it is that he has quite good comedic timing, yeah. I think. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Let's actually talk about these therapy okay, sessions. Okay. Okay. Juliet takes each couple aside one by one so she can speak to them in pairs. I suppose it's couple therapy, we did say that. Alicia says she's anxious about doing therapy because she doesn't want to give out personal info to someone she's just met. Okay. This is, to me, understandable. It's somewhat relatable. Going to therapy can be the source of a lot of stress and anxiety. Although it is a little bit funny and slightly undercut by the next thing she says, which is that in the past, she's had one-on-one therapy and it hasn't helped. Because to me, that feels like I would imagine you know, maybe you didn't want to give out personal info to someone you just met. And that's why, yeah. you, didn't, you know, fully get the positive effects of it. Right. The words that we're missing, I think are on television. Oh, well, yes. That's the other part of this. I can imagine her being a hundred times more anxious about this particular scenario. Yes. Um, although she does say that having Jed there helps her do it. Or, you know, this is the kind of thing you have to say if you're on the bachelor. Sure. Uh, Juliet asks her and Jed how they'd feel about an engagement. Jed says, so far with Alicia, I can see us growing and heading in a serious direction. Things are moving quite quickly. I personally wouldn't be stressed proposing to you because I have confidence in how we feel about each other. No. Well, like, yeah. Like, I know that this isn't specifically the time or place for the most 
florid, romantic, you know, special, beautiful language. Time, place, or podcast. Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about us. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know, Jed, Jed will have better moments to say more beautiful things than this. Oh, definitely. But it's I still... I wouldn't be stressed. <laughs> it's like, you know. Uh, <laughs> the Throw fact... me in, I would be excited. Right, exactly. And they cut to Alicia's face while he's saying this. Mm. And she does this sort of, like, gentle half-smile. As in, like, you know, okay. (laughs) I just learned this about you. Yeah, yeah. If he had said something like, I'm thrilled for the uh, opportunity, or, you know, this is going to change our lives for the better, or whatever, they would cut to her face and she would be beaming. But instead she's like, okay. (laughs) Beaming or screaming. Well, that may be true, too. It's one of the rides at Dreamworld. (laughs) (laughs) Alicia says she wants to be with Jed at the end of the day, although the proposal does seem like a massive step. In ITM, she says, quote, the ring makes me nervous. Personally, I agree. Yeah. I think Gore Verbinski did an incredible job of adapting Hideo Nakata's original for an American audience. Mm. I think Naomi Watts should have been given the lead role in more movies. Mm. Have you ever seen it, Max? I'm going to assume this is a horror movie. It certainly is. But it doesn't have anything to do with Lord of the Rings. No, that's a different one. Do you actually... Okay, I'm not making fun of you, but do you know what the ring is? Does that have any cultural cut through for you? And no, like yeah. I feel like it was like 2002, maybe. Yeah, I know that right it's a scary there. horror movie, yeah. And I never wanted to go and see it, yeah. Okay, fair probably enough. the Panic Room came out similar time, and maybe I know that had Jodie also. Foster in it. Oh, that's Jodie, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, that is about that all that I know. That's okay. Alicia says that, quote, something like, Will you marry me is not what I expected to hear within six weeks of knowing someone. To which this actual professional relationship expert just goes, hmm. Yep. She's not allowed to say anything else. Right. So I would, I would assume that the idea is not for her to give her real thoughts or advice, right? Which, because I would, I, and I don't know, and I'm obviously not trained and she's the expert and I'm not, but I would assume that probably her thoughts are, perhaps you guys should consider not getting engaged next week. Yeah. If this seems like something that... Neither of you are a thousand percent committed, you know, like... One of you is not stressed and the other is saying actively no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But in ITM, Alicia says, quote, Obviously, it's important to Jed, so therefore it's important to me. Who can say what that's about? Well, that seems really scary to me because it's just like, well, whatever he says goes. Yeah. uh, I think that that has been taken out of context. You could well be right. I like, and I feel like in my relationships, if something has been important to a a partner of mine, then I have had to take it seriously. Right, but I've had to hold it with importance. Yeah, I agree with that. But I feel like she's referring. Well, the show is implying that she's referring to the engagement. Yeah, I just am suspicious of that. Yeah, I think I think you're right to be suspicious. It's a good point. Thomas and Leah are up next. Thomas lifts her up and carries her into the room. Yeah. Which is a not-so-subtle metaphor for how the thing that he seems to like about her is how fragile and helpless and dependent she appears to be. Something in that neighborhood. She Um, has the purest heart. God. He tells Juliet, I've already fallen for her, and I'm excited to potentially do life with her. Do life. Yuck. Like, don't be silly, Thomas. You yeah. know, you're, you're a rich white dude. Even if they do catch on to all of your shady business dealings and stuff, you'll still be totally fine. Right. You know? 
Um, Leah shares that they have agreed that they want two children. And of course, all couples get exactly what they want yep. because having children is extremely easy for everyone mm-hmm. and is not complicated by anything at all. Mm-hmm. Juliet says, yay, I just got goosebumps, which again is not strictly what I think the most appropriate response would be in this context. I would maybe be asking something like, how important is that to your relationship or how are you going to cope if it doesn't happen exactly as easily as you seem to think it will or something like that, you know? Sure. That's a follow-up question that I would hope a therapist, and I'm not questioning her uh, outside of the show, you know? Uh Like, I feel like she is a credible person. I've heard people say that she's like the real deal. Yeah. But I think she is being, she is a square peg being forced through a round hole of this franchise. Yeah. And she is there to kind of say the things that will move the plot along, as many of these experts are, you know? I think that's true. I think that it is probably a difficult line to walk if you are her, knowing that you work in an industry that might be considered a little bit taboo by some folk and that you have to say the right thing to advance the plot, Mm. but that you also are trying to represent yourself in the best way. Yeah, I just feel like she actually doesn't really give any advice here. She's just kind of sitting there and she goes like, oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. And again, whether that's selective editing or not. Well, I I imagine so. I imagine you're probably right. Thomas and Kiki are next. Thomas ITMs, we still need to dive deeper on a few things. Oh, hello, Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Is this the shout out we've been waiting for this we'll whole see. time? We'll see. There subtle might be little, one coming later. Subtle little hat tip from fucking Thomas of all people. Love it. Juliet asks, how's the journey been so far? Which, again, is like planting Such coded plants, you know. show language. And also, I'll remind you, the journey has been two dates. <laughs> and one of them was earlier this episode. <laughs> so, you know. Um, they agree that they have had an amazing connection since the start. We've had an amazing connection. <laughs> but then Thomas mentions her, quote, two beautiful kids. Mm. He always refers to how the kids look. Has he seen them? I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's on the inside or the outside, there's something about that adjective. I think it's, that he's just, just being nice, like, but it's just like, stop. It's know. creepy yeah. in the way that, yeah. And, it, mm. and says he's asking himself how he will fit into her life. Yes. Juliet asks Thomas if he wants to have kids of his own, and he says yes. I cannot wait to experience having kids with my partner. Like, it's something I'm really craving. Oh. I would like that experience of creating kids from scratch. From scratch is such a fucked... That's foul. Fucked way to describe That's it. That's foul on so many fucking levels. I n- n- like, this man has such a strange way with words. Yeah. Uh, usually, when someone has a way with words, you use it as a compliment. In this case, I am not doing right. so. Um, this, you're absolutely right, is foul. I want to allow for the possibility, Yeah. in my very generous, open-hearted way, Yeah. that Thomas simply has a breeding kink and that's fine and i think you know if he whatever floats his particular boat yeah i just feel like you know the the way that he is projecting it onto her and bringing it up in this environment and on television and assuming that's the vibe is like you know he wants I don't even see it as a kink. Like, if he I was to be pregnant. generous, like, I would just like to allow for the fact that Thomas might be a bit, I don't know, not all not all the way there 
Well, I think he's probably you know, pilled or from a bit a diff from some other planet. He's pilled on a very like natural lifestyle yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah, this is what it is. It's the spiritual thing I think that's informing this. You're it's right. It's something about like you know we used to live a purer life back in the Stone Age or something. Yeah, you know? I don't know if this is necessarily his specific deal. No, but this is something that it definitely informs and nostalgia. We've talked about on this podcast before being a huge weapon of that spiritual kind of language because mm. things were better in the past or things are better when they're more natural how they used to be mm. from the ground right with yourself i saw a really bizarre post on enemy of the show pascal wallace's instagram oh yeah i saw this just too. one of the worst fucking people he was talking about the um like what people think sunlight does versus what sunlight actually does oh yeah and he was listing a whole bunch of sort of pseudoscientific like things that you know yeah several types of Groups maybe believe. Uh -huh. or, I, I don't know. But it's something about that, like, you know, if it's natural, it's good. And, like, you know, if it's traditional, it's good. And, like, you know, men are here to do one thing and women are due to the here to do the other thing. And, you do know. you know about the people who sun their buttholes? Of course they do. They're so funny. Yeah, what a great, yeah. Listener, well, think, you know. look, if you don't know about the people who sun their anuses, <laughs> that is something for you to Google and enjoy. Yes. Uh... Kiki is very respectful about this. She's great. She is approaching this with an unbelievable level of tact. Uh-huh. Um, and Full of tact. Yes. Uh, she, she knows how important this stuff is to Thomas, and she doesn't want to tread on his toes. She even says, I never say never to anything in terms of what's to come, but would I feel in a space and time and a version of myself that would want more children? I'm not there. If you want a yes, I want to get engaged at the end of this. Yes, I'm going to get married and I want to have children. Then I'm not going to be the right person. Hell yeah. And in ITM, she says, we're at stage one. I have no idea what stage 20 would look like for us. And she clarifies that she can't guarantee anything, but she's just being honest. Yeah. I fucking love this from Kiki. This is so good. This is just like, you know, the perfect way Honestly, to express this. Honestly, this is a woman who has two kids and is in her 30s and is like, fuck, I've done so much with my life. Yeah. Let's talk more. Right. Thomas ITMs that, quote, although there are so many parts of me that are in love with her, our future together is a complete unknown. Which parts? <sighs> Again, which parts are in love with Kiki? Which parts are in love with Leah? Like... He keeps compartmentalizing the parts that are in love. Right. And we see this a lot at the end of a Bachelor season where, um, particularly when it comes down to a final two, they will yeah. almost always do, my head is saying this thing, my heart's saying this thing. Right, exactly. Or sometimes they will do, my head is saying this thing, my penor is telling me the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. don't know why I said penor like penor. that. Penor. It's a late My penor noir. Yeah. Um, but here he seems to be implying a lot more parts are involved. Yeah, or yeah. In he's like sort of separate, different places. Imagining the compartmentalization of the brain or whatever. Who knows? We completely skip over the chats with Lauren and Angela, which in my opinion sort of spoils the finale that we haven't seen yet. It's interesting. Uh, we see 10 seconds of the Felix and Crystal chat during which Felix ITMs, I'm questioning with Crystal whether we can push past this friendship status. Mm. This is something that you've been talking about for a couple of episodes right. now. And I, at this point, I really think there's no point talking no. about it anymore. Juliet gets Felix and Big Gale to do some eye gazing. Fantastic. We love... Uh, it turns out that on a long enough timeline, every expert in every field 
will eventually <laughs> advise you to just look right into somebody's eyes for a while. You yeah. Know? Take your car into the mechanic and they're like, oh, here's your problem. Here's your problem. The look carburetor. Yeah. yeah. The carburetor's fucked. And so we're going to have to sit here quietly and look at each other for five minutes. I was minutes. in a work training course at the end of last year. And mm-hmm. one of the activities was looking directly into one of my colleague's eyes for three minutes. Fascinating. Did, did it change your relationship with that? Colleague? That uh, colleague is one of my closest friends, so no. Right. Okay, yeah, you'd already probably yeah looked enough. Yeah, it is funny actually now that I think about it because whenever either of us does the impression of um, oh, it's Thomas straight up, it's eye contact. We are doing the eye gazing. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's really brought us mm. together. Um, Felix sets up the final chat with Jess. Uh, by ITMing, quote, is Jessica able to see herself in a monogamous relationship? Because I'm starting to fall in love with her, but I just can't do a polyamorous relationship. It's just not, it's not believable. I, I, this is a problem that we will talk about as the next episode goes on as well. Like, I actually don't think that Felix could list three personality traits about Jess, aside from the fact that she's in an open relationship and she has blonde hair. Innocent. Bang. say that a few times but like i the the relationship itself despite how much fucking camera time the the jess felix thing has chewed yeah, we up know over nothing the course about of this her. season we know nothing about her and i don't really i don't actually feel a huge degree of chemistry there no me neither or and like the meaningful funniest, yeah the funniest thing about that for me is like the the chemistry that we feel is the chemistry that the show is most able to show us which for a lot of the time was felix and tilly Because that physical chemistry was abundant and it's easy for them to accentuate. What we see in the next episode with Abigail is a totally different type of chemistry Mm. that I think the show does a pretty good job at the same same time of being able to showcase. We see a little bit of it with with Angela and Jed as well. We'll get there. But with Jess, like, what is it? It's just like everything has been so diluted and so muddied by the... By um, Damien. Well, by Damien and by the what does it mean and the how will this work of it all? Yeah, yeah. Which are important questions. And obviously, particularly in this situation, like those things do need to be sorted out. Absolutely. But because we focus so much on that, there's no actual development of a romance. The thing that we sort of tune into this show and expect to see. Exactly. Like this isn't like in Ellie's season where she was like, oh, I like... One who lives near me and one who lives in Brisbane. And Mm. that was the thing that they were tossing up at the end. Yeah, yeah. This is so different. Like, the logistics are so, so much more important that Mm. we haven't even gotten to the fact that she lives in Townsville and Felix lives in Melbourne. It's an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jess explains to Juliet that she is in a non-monogamous relationship with Damien, but while he's happy for her to explore other relationships and partners, she does not want him to do that. She seems to recognize that this is a bit hypocritical. It's uh-huh. something she feels conflicted with, but that's just how it is. Felix tells Juliet he's still wrapping his head around it. He says, quote, if we are to progress past this, it is monogamous. And that separation from Damien is going to occur. Yeah. And in Frankenbitten dialogue that, again, we don't actually see Jess say, her voice says, quote, I am falling in love with Felix. And however this ends, as sad as this is to say, I am ready and willing to let go of that relationship with Damien. I think by this point you're seeing it, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's choppy. Um, because I want the option to explore things with you further. Just briefly on an editing note, you can tell this sentence is clipped together, partly because we don't see it, 
um, partly from the you know changes in inflection, but also she changes from the third person to the second person partly yeah. through. It doesn't. It's like I every season has frank and bitten dialogue like yeah. quite a lot a, yeah. a lot of the time, and it doesn't usually matter that much. But because we're talking about like a key conversation that needs to happen that feels almost like it's about to happen and then doesn't quite or whatever. Yeah. Like the plot elements that are being forced in there or the the changes in tone or the, you know, mm. admissions or whatever, you really feel it. Like a lot, it's, we feel it's a it. load-bearing sentence. Yes, and it's but got we need it as well. Like right. the show needs it to push the plot forward. Yeah. She says, I will still love Damien. He just won't be my primary partner anymore. Primary partner. Well, I feel like that's a phrase that has meaning to her, but Felix would not be familiar with. No. Um, Felix is very quick to ask, quote, would there be anything sexual in nature about that relationship with Damien? Um, which I can understand mattering, but also is just like, you know, there's something very um, cishet male about that being your first concern. Uh-huh. Which, whatever, that's what he is. Yeah. Um we get an extremely Frankenbitten reply from Jess. I want to highlight that the no that she says here is quite distinctive. Yeah. And it gets reused again quite soon after this, yes. which I'll, I'll flag again when that ha happens. So she goes, no. So if you and I would end up together at the end, I don't think I would be comfortable having sex with him. Yeah. And on sex with him. And I'm sorry, I know this is like, it's not easy to listen to me explaining this, but I think it's worthwhile uh -huh. to mention. On the phrase sex with him, it cuts to a new camera angle that we haven't seen in the entire scene. And it's evidently darker outside. It's later in the day. And uh -huh. the light behind them has been switched on where it wasn't elsewhere. Right. It just means the whole thing is so fragmented. You don't, like, I don't believe that this is what's happening No, here. no. And it just makes it so much more frustrating because you know that you're getting stringed along. You know that the show is giving you breadcrumbs. But if you don't even feel like the breadcrumbs are... Like anything, then once you get to the candy house at the finale, it's just going to feel so phony, you know? As a layman, I didn't even notice it. Right. Okay. Well, you know, you're not a layman. You have a bachelor podcast. Maybe I'm too deep into this, <laughs> but I... But it's, it's good that you notice. It was just really frustrating to me, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't take a lot of extremely close reading of this scene to notice that. Yeah, yeah. Um sometimes I watch these things three or four times and this time I spotted it first time around. I was yeah, like, this yeah. feels really unnatural. Yeah. The editing is just not there. I feel like they're getting lazy on this season. I feel like there are certain ed editing flourishes that they've paid more attention to and put time into and they look good and they sound good and feel good. And then there are certain stages where it really feels like it matters and they haven't put the energy in. For me, it comes down to dialogue. I think that they are trying to shape and create a narrative where yeah. there may not be one. Right. And, and that's the challenge of making a reality show, and I understand that. But, uh, yeah, it's just a bit disappointing that um, you have expectations that build up over the time of watching a series. I hear you. And you get to a certain point, and you're like, oh, man, what the fuck? They were yeah. just playing with me. Yeah. You know? Anyway, a smile spreads over Felix's face. He's happy to hear that Jess will be his and his alone. Monogamy has been restored. Balance has ah. been brought back to the force. And he adds, quote, Jess has given me her word that she'll end things with Damien, and I've got nothing but trust that she'll do that, which in my opinion is laying it on a little bit thick. It is laying it on thick, but that is what the show has, like, tried to tell us. And at least at this point, the show is giving us its clear, like, thesis statement of, like, we are setting this thing up, and just yes. so you know, that won't. That's what's happening. And also, Felix believes it. I think that's really important, right? Yeah. We see it in the next episode. Yeah, you're right, actually. He takes this to heart. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's talk about a cocktail party. We never talk about a cocktail party anymore. How fun. Bizarre that there is one. It is interesting, isn't it? Because mm. they're like, well, clearly there's a plot reason to have a cocktail party. So we'll right, get the right. glasses out and we'll, you know, get the shakers. Mm. Big Gale proposed the toast. Quote, to finding love, to the top three, and to the bloody bachelor, before deciding instead to pay tribute to Bella by reusing her great toast. Great. To fat checks, to good sex, and to always doing better than our ex. Lovely. Which I think is great. Maybe yeah. one of the more enduring moments, you know, of this season. And uh, first order of business, Big Gale checks in on Jess to see how she's doing. And she's a bit stressed out about this potential life change ahead of her. Big Gale asks, do you mean letting go of Damien? And again, I want to clarify that this is all pretty chopped up and it, a, a lot of it is off face. Side note, if I say off face, do you know what I mean? Uh, what I assume is that we are hearing Abigail, but we're looking at Jess. Yeah, essentially, I'm I'm trying to introduce that into the Bachelor of Arts lexicon to Great. save myself some time and energy. We can do that. But basically, it means like when you hear the audio of somebody saying something, but you don't see their actual mouth saying those right. words, right? Um, chalk that up in the... <laughs> we can have that. Bibliography. No, what is it? Thesaurus? Something like that. Whatevs. Mm. Uh, we hear Jess say, I still want Damien. I still love and care for him. It's just... If Felix and I are doing long distance while he's in Melbourne and I'm in Townsville, I don't know how I'm going to go with no physical intimacy for that length of time because I find that I really disconnect from that person. That's why my ideal situation is maintaining a physical sexual relationship with Damien and Felix and I can continue to develop the physical and emotional intimacy. Now... That sounds like an open relationship. Sure does. That's almost the clearest definition of an open relationship that we've had. Right. I do feel like if she wanted to be in a monogamous relationship with Felix. Yes. Which is what he wants and is yes. putting forward as like the ideal scenario for him. Yes. There are ways that she could still have sexual pleasure that would not involve another sure. man. So a lot of people online just being like, girl... Uh-huh. Get you a vibrator. Uh-huh. You won't be thinking about Demo no more. Demo no more? Demo no more. Juliet has a sex toy. Right. Go You've online. You've just met her. Yeah, exactly. This would be a great thing for you guys to talk about. <laughs> um, but look, yes, I get it. She, she's free to want this, and that's okay. Um, except it complicates things, of course, uh, uh, in this uh, situation. Um, but also, it's... It's not what Felix thought was going to happen right. coming out of the couple's therapy right. session, right? He was pretty clear that, okay, I've convinced her. She's going to end things with Damien. It's going to be her and me. Everything's sweet. And that's not. That's evidently not what's this happening. dumb man. Big Gale asks, does Felix know about this, that you still want to maintain the sexual relationship with Damien? And then this is where we hear the exact same no, no. that Jess said in the previous segment. Yeah. Now, as a podcaster, I have done my fair share of audio editing. Uh-huh. Sometimes I am forced to reuse old audio to make an edit make sense or to cover some unwanted audio or something. No. You know. <laughs> um, but I know that you can't use a crucial, like, plot-sensitive piece of audio from truly three minutes earlier. You know, like the ear, the human ear can recognize that pattern 
it, it, it was not from overwatching this thing. It was not from being a famously overthorough Bachelor recapper that I noticed this. It hit me the first time I watched it. And to that I say, no. I think especially because it's just the word no. Yeah. That's something she must have said dozens of times throughout the season, right? There are so many places that you could go back to and collect that audio from and put it in there. Don't use the one from three minutes ago. It's so lazy. No. Uh, Anyway, look, all this to say, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm. It seems like what we're learning here is that Jess has not made up her mind. No. And Abigail tells her she needs to be honest with Felix because otherwise she's just delaying the inevitable, which is good advice. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I'm getting bogged down in these things. It's just like, there's not that much to analyze here apart from the way that they're constructing this narrative. Right. Big L ITMs, quote, I think that Jessica Navin is really self-centered. And we see her telling Crystal that Jess wants to keep Damien around for the next few months as a fuck buddy. Crystal is understandably outraged. Uh Uh-huh. She ITMs. He's going to get the shock of his life if they walk out of here together when she actually reveals what she actually wants. Big girl ITMs. It's not my place to share where Jess is being dishonest, but I also know that Felix deserves to know this, especially when it's coming to crunch time. This isn't a game. This is somebody's feelings. This is somebody's relationship, and there is a potential proposal. Big girl. Very here for the right reasons. Love that. Cut over to Jed, who I barely talked about all night. Jed's new songwriting partner, Courtney, oh, pulls yes. him aside ahead of the rose ceremony. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, and First time we've said her name this whole episode. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. And Courtney tells him, I really enjoyed our time together and getting to know you. And I've never met anybody like you. I really do like you. But I'm really feeling conflicted. And in ITM, she says she's seen the relationships with Elysia and Angela pulling ahead of her own feelings. And then we see her telling him, at the moment, I feel as if I need to go home. I feel like that's just something I want to do for me. And in ITM, Future Jed says, At the start, me and Courtney were moving in the same direction. And recently, it feels like we just drifted apart. Oh my God. That's not true. No. That's actually a big lie. That's quite false. Because recently, you went on a single date together. Right. Like, at the start, they had a conversation. And they bonded over their dads both playing bass. That's right. And then he ignored her for seven straight episodes. (laughs) Then they went on one date, which seemed to go quite well. Yeah, pretty good. Now here we are a couple of episodes later. That's it. Bye, Courtney. I feel So I feel like they have inserted this clip from Future Jed to make us feel like he's a better guy. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Even though I don't think he looks that bad here. You know, I think the footage they actually have of him in the moment is pretty good. It's really lovely. He says, I understand where you're coming from. I support you in whatever you want to do. He makes sure this is exactly what she wants to do. They kiss and he says, you look beautiful, by the way. It's all pretty nice. It's pretty nice. And I should also flag, this is future Jed, who's speaking from the future Mm. to us in the episode. Mm. And... I don't know, memory distorts over time, True. right? And yeah. so maybe if we're to be generous to Jed... Oh, yeah, I guess maybe he just forgot exactly He's just like, oh, my was. God, she was on the show. Shit, how yeah, do I yeah. how do I phrase this for the audience? <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy that they didn't have anything from the time that they could use. But anyway, yes. Yeah. Um, we see her climb into the black BMW, and we see her in the back seat, but she doesn't say anything. But in ITM, she says, quote, hopefully one day I find love somewhere. Hope. Courtney... Or Coco, as she's sometimes known, uh-huh. uh, was another person I would have liked to see receive some more attention from the show. Um, and as such, I'm, 
I, I struggle to really capture her essence here. You know, she had heelys. Wheel shoes. Yeah. That's was, all she gets. It was cool. Uh, we wish her the best. Courtney entered the season. We wish Courtney I know, an I did amazing the fucking life. Yeah. Um, Courtney entered the season with 527 followers on Instagram and is now sitting at 696, a growth <sighs> of just 169. Babe. I'm so sorry. Mm. Osha joins the group to tell him that the rose ceremony is about to begin. So Jed, Alicia, and Angela take a seat on the couch because they're already locked in uh-huh. as the others await their fate. So Thomas picks Leah, Felix picks Big Gale, and then we cut to the couch where both the women lean in to hear Jed whisper. Abigail started to talk about what Jessica was saying when she was talking to Felix. What was she saying? And Alicia whispers, she wants to have sex with Damien, but she wants to be in a relationship with Felix. And Jed whispers, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> I love this moment. That he's all of us. Yeah, just a little just a little goss yeah. while we're in the middle of a rose ceremony. really nice. Uh, anyway, then Thomas gives a rose to Lauren. First time I'm mentioning her name this time. Uh, and Felix gives a rose to Jess. So it's a big and pretty unexpected farewell to Kiki and Crystal. Mm. We see an ITM with Kiki, which I swear was also shot after the fact where she says, I'm so grateful to have met Thomas. We had some beautiful moments, but we both started to see that we might not be able to fulfill all of each other's needs. Perfect. Sure. It's an incredibly diplomatic way, way to, to be say diplomatic it. and handle it with grace. Yes. Thomas tells her, Everything I've been feeling, everything I've been saying to you has been so genuine. You really are so special. Thank you. Then they hug as Thomas's ITM plays. I wish I had met Kiki years ago. It would have been perfect. We would have taken things so slowly, but time wasn't on our side. I don't, I don't know about that. I, so I think what he's referring to is the biological clock, right? It seems that way, right? I, I don't like it. No. I think that's what he's referring to. Like, it seems like what he's saying is that, you know... It's if, a shame Kiki is 38. If they were to stay together, he wouldn't have enough time to persuade her to have his fucked up little babies <laughs> before it becomes, like, less feasible or, or whatever Christ. due to her age, right? Okay. You know, weird vibes, you know, from Thomas, believe it or not. Yeah, look, we'll get there. There's a lot of Thomas to talk about in the very next episode of the show. Kiki rules. Thomas drools. I'm glad she is free from his clutches. Uh, Kiki entered the show with 209 followers on Instagram and is leaving with 1,407 for a gain of 1,198. Not too bad. It's not a massive gain, but but relative to Yeah, exactly. Um, Felix tells Crystal... Thank you so much for everything. You are the funnest person I've ever been around in my life. We see her tearing up in ITM saying, I'm sad it's all over. Felix meant a lot. From when I met him to how he is now, he's grown so much. Uh, I'm ready for a relationship. I'm ready to take on whatever man can take this on. I like this. It's another like leaving with grace and good humor. She does a great job. Uh, She's self-deprecating. She's funny. Yeah. Who she says that Felix has grown a lot. Do you think that she means height-wise? <laughs> when I first saw him, he was sitting down. <laughs> right, right. He was 6'5", and now he's truly 6'5 and a half. Yeah. Uh, who could possibly have seen this coming? Except, unfortunately, anybody who watched the show, and mm. definitely me. Um, Crystal, I'm, I'm reflecting on this. Crystal would be an incredible addition to Bachelor in Paradise oh, if they were yeah. ever going to do that again. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll see. She entered the show with 3,789 followers on Instagram and is leaving with 4,967. Good for her. For an overall gain of 1,178. And we cut back to the bleachers where Jess Navin whispers to Big Gale, top two is very strange. Big Gale ITMs. I'm feeling really frustrated being in the final two with Jessica. It seems very unfair for her to be getting away with being dishonest. If Felix chooses Jess at the end of this, they'll break up within months because the real Jess is so different from the Jess she's portraying to him at the moment. Poor Big Gale. I feel her frustration. Yeah. Hello, listeners. Before we dive directly into the next episode, um, Max just paused the podcast so he could use the bathroom and I checked our Twitter DMs. And we got a great Twitter DM, so I may as well read it. It is from our friend, somebody who is great on Twitter and live tweets The Bachelor all the time, Stella. Um, follow her at Stell underscore Woods if you'd like to. Stell Woods? Stell Woods, yeah. Okay. Like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Oh. We're having a fun pop cultural moment here. Um, and uh, Stella, uh, among other things, is a poly person. And right. so I wanted to share, you know, because we mentioned that we wanted to hear some experiences from some poly people who might want to speak out and give us a little bit more context and information. Inherently, I'm a dumb man. Well, yeah, we only have the experience that we, we have. You yeah. Know? Um, so Stella's been kind enough to go on the record and we as Bachelor journalists are reporting it. Uh, she mentioned that watching this episode the one we're about to discuss this evening was a bit hard for her and a bit uncomfortable um so should we maybe give a content warning yeah a bit or yeah like if you are one of the people who listens to this podcast in lieu of watching the episodes and you happen Ooh. to have uh some some hang-ups to do with polyamory or whatever you know or the way that that is portrayed in particular we're gonna try and do as good a job as possible of not um, creating an uncomfortable situation for anybody listening right. to this. Right, but the show created a very uncomfortable situation and right. that's sort of what we're skirting around here. Right, um, but Stella wanted to share some of her experiences and I thought it'd be great to put that on the record. Um, she did start by saying, like, truly any, uh, you know, any nuanced analysis of this is irrelevant in the face of, quote, why on this entire planet Earth would you bring this situation onto The Bachelor? Yeah. Which I think is kind of my through line with, yeah. the, with the Jess Navin situation. Um, but she also added, um, poly relationships are really different in every different situation. So it's really hard to generalize. Um, she herself has a setup that a lot of other poly people might react with. Wow. That's unusual too. You know? Okay. It is not one type of thing. I think is what she's saying. Right. Which, you know, is clear and, and it's frustrating to see, um, you know, I don't imagine The Bachelor or Australian reality TV has created a lot of space for a lot of really nuanced conversations or examples of this. Something that I think that we say on this podcast often, or at least have said this season, is if I'm to read this generously, maybe Felix or maybe Jed might mm. be saying such and such a thing. Mm. Something that I don't think that the show does very well right. is giving a very wide berth, a very generous interpretation to what polyamory might mean to the incredible number of different polyamorous situations that may exist. Right. And I think, in fact, it's within the show's best interest to present a very narrow Precisely. View because it will create a conversation. It's sensationalized. Yeah. It's scandalous. Um, Stella also adds, one of the most universal things in being poly, no matter what your specific situation is, is that it's predicated upon extremely clear, open, and upfront communication. Nah. <laughs> That's the setup of why any of this could work in the first place. You have to be really honest and respect the boundaries of multiple people at once. 
which is just like so not what's happening here right. and is also so way inappropriate for The Bachelor. Right, exactly. Um, that was fantastic. And thank you, Stella, um, for, for getting in touch. Um, if you are uh, see something on the TV that you think we could use a little context about, Feel free to get oh, in touch with love us. That. Yeah. Yes. Join the community or if you want to get on, you know, off the record and talk to us personally, privately, send us an email at bohpod at gmail.com. Um, we've had some really interesting conversations in there and we don't divulge all of them. And No, you know. no. It's been really lovely this season to hear from lots of people from all kinds of different walks of life. We have had people who might identify as a romantic, people who might claim to be friends of friends of the show or uh, people right. on the show. You know, like there's all kinds Somebody of stuff going on had a great theory about like something that might be going on behind the scenes or something with Leah um, yeah, being yeah. romantic, which I thought was really thought provoking. It's not something I'm like hugely versed in and wouldn't necessarily want to speak, you know, out of my Me ass neither. about. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's fascinating. There's a whole world out there. Um, and we're really thankful to our um, listeners and fans who want to broaden our, you know, yeah, come in and continue to educate us. And it's beautiful that we can learn from you as we also continue to talk out our asses about this <laughs> fucking show. Yeah. We move on with The Bachelors Australia Season 10, Episode 11. And we're whipping around to each of the Batchies. Thomas is meditating on the beach. What's that do. thing that he has on his shoulder? Oh, the Illuminati tattoo? In full display. Sure is, huh? He is telling the camera that he has some big decisions to make and only a few days to do it. Meanwhile, we hear from Jed, who says he's 100% ready to get married and he's excited to be meeting the in-laws today with a twist. Xavier, what is the twist? <laughs> the twist is... I think they thought they had more episodes than they actually did. <laughs> and so they've crammed in two things into the one episode here. Right. So we have a combination of hometowns where we don't travel and uh, meet the parents. Like, so everyone's just clashing in a big room. Together. Right. This is the Clash of the Titans. It is the convergence of families. It's the Fortnite Battle Royale. Right. You know. Church and state have come together in one beautiful two hour long Bachelor episode. What could possibly go wrong? We now hear from Felix. Oh, he actually makes that joke, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He okay, makes good. this exact yeah. joke. <laughs> I'm no better than the show, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> he says this is the first time in his life that he'll be introducing someone to his family. And he's stoked that it's Abigail because she has a great level of banter and she can put him in his place. Later, he also says that he likes her because she advocates going to therapy. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something he could take in on board, you know? Sure. He doesn't he call her like a parent's best friend or something? Or Later in the episode, yes, something? parent's dream. Sorry, yeah. we'll get to it. Uh we're at what I guess you would describe as a batchy bench, Xavi. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow it. How wait, is it decorated? It's not decorated. We're at a bench. We're at a regular bench. The location is so nondescript. Big Gale will be meeting Felix's mum Jenny, uh, his nameless brother and dad. And Felix says that he's not nervous at all about this because Big Gale will do really great. And besides, what he's really nervous about is that he has to tell his folks about Jess Navin's polyamorous situation. Oh, no. We cut to him making several vomit noises in ITM. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, pretty, I'll give him like, for that. He's like, bleh, bleh, I can't believe that this is what I'm... It's like fucked in the sense that what he is talking about is something that we should be able to talk about more openly. Yes. But for him, fine. Well, it speaks to... It, it's an honest reflection yeah. of his 
regrettably sort of backdated you know, right. view of the world right, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, we're making the most of Felix while we have him here. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's weird that the show is also telling us that even when, like, this whole bit is supposed to be about Abigail. Oh, yeah. But it's and about it's Jess. fully not. Yeah, the conversation yeah. shifts incredibly quickly away from what's going on with Big Girl. There's, like, one question. Like, do somebody, Felix's mum asks Abigail, do you have any pets? Yeah. To which she says... As a matter of fact, I do. Yes, in fact, I do. And then she's like, okay, that's great. Well, anyway, tell me more about Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going on with this Jess woman? Yeah. What's up with Jess Navin? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Felix tells the family uh, that they will love Abigail. And then he says, Jessica's this amazing girl. Cute, sweet, innocent. But she does currently have a boyfriend. Right. Really. She's currently in a polyamorous relationship. And here's where we start to hear a lot from Felix's mum, Jenny, who, I don't know if I would describe her as quite the antagonist of this episode, but there's a whole lot going on with Jenny. Jenny's an interesting figure. And at some points, I'm really behind her. I think she's awesome. And at some points, I'm waiting for her to... Well, it's like, what do you you expect, maybe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some points where I'm like, Jenny, come on. Yeah. We can talk about this more uh, cogently. Yes. Right? But there's something about Jenny's... um, Facial expressions and body language She's and stuff. She's magnetic. She's great television. I, I posited to you as we were watching this, once she had been on screen for a few minutes, yeah. that the reason Felix was cast in this show <laughs> is because of his mum, Jenny. It's fascinating. Like, I think that Felix and Jenny are great TV for the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she says, I just don't know why. There must be some other show that she can go on. <laughs> she already has a partner. She has an open relationship. What else is she looking for? Mm. Which is a very reductive way of thinking about what it's a polyamorous relationship might entail. Yeah. With that said, imagine trying to explain this to your mum. Yeah. Not your mum specifically. Your mum's great. Well, yes. We love Lisa Noonan shouts out. But, but, but. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there is a lot for a parent to get around here, regardless of this particular relationship, right? Absolutely. For, for a parent to be invited or to be forced or whatever to go on The Bachelor yeah. and for you to explain the specifics of those relationships on any season, uh-huh. it's a bit of a tall order. That mm-hmm. parent has to pretend that this whole thing is normal like, and okay. This is normal and fine and we're simply involved in a love game. Add on top of that this, uh, you know... There's the spectre of an extra boyfriend. Yes. It's not something that uh, I would expect every parent to get their head around immediately. No. Finally, it's big Gale time. Mm. She says in ITM that she's falling in love with Felix and she's excited to meet the family. Great. We learn that her friend Georgia will be coming with her to meet Felix's fam, but we've already met Georgia. That's right. She was on the Cali Beach date. That's right. I mean, we barely met her, but she was there. She was there. Okay. So Big Gale tells Georgia, we're in the top two. There's me and there's Jess, the one with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. There's a few things that she's not being 100% honest about with Felix. Things are looking good for Big Gale. Things Big are... Gale's got the red carpet rolled out in front right, of her at this right. point, right? This is feeling pretty good for Big Gale. There's mm-hmm. one... Thing that I wonder if this whole relationship between Big Gale and Felix might hinge on that has been interpreted in a weird way by Felix later in the episode. We'll talk about it. Okay. Um, but Big Gale really seems to sit well with Felix's family. Yeah, you know? she snaps right into place. Jenny says she's vibrant. She's happy. She would fit right in. And we're seeing positive signs. There's a conversation about them living in different places 
and they each say they'd be fine moving. No big deal. It's warm and convivial, and I can't help but feel like the show is setting us up. <laughs> yeah, of course. Whenever things are going this smoothly, you know something's about to go wrong. There is, there is some darkness around the corner. I don't know if now is the right time to, to spoil my hypothesis. My hypothesis is that Felix is going to choose no one at the end of this experience. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And yeah. it feels like, uh, I think maybe you mentioned that earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's, yeah that's like the happen. honey badger has been raised. Right. It's now we're seeing this with Big Gal that's going so well. Yeah. And there's something else that is going to be an abject disaster. So Georgia tells Felix and his fam that she left the group date at Cali Beach, not knowing if Felix had genuine feelings for Abigail, because he was distracted by the Jess and Damien drama. Hmm. And Felix says in ITM that, oh, he's got to win back some brownie points with Georgia. Mm-hmm. And in their one-on-one chat, Felix compares where he's at with each of the women, telling her that Abigail is, quote, more finished. Like she's been coated with, like, lacquer or so. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like this, right. Ooh. So he, I guess he's saying this in comparison with Jess. And I guess by describing her as more finished what i think he really means is like the plot line with her it has resolved you oh, know what i mean like the plot line has a neater conclusion maybe but also well, she's no, no, more no. complete I mean, in terms of what she's looking for i i interpreted this as like um he, what he was really saying is that the plot line with jess has not finished oh i Whereas didn't, I didn't Abigail, think about plot at all right See, I think when you're The Bachelor, you kind of have to look at people that way. Mm. And at this point, he is looking at Jess and being like, oh, there's still a dangling thread and I can't stop thinking about it. Whereas with Abigail, he's like, I get it from here. You know, I know what it is and I know where it leads. Yeah, I think that could be wrong. Yeah, I, ju- I just didn't think about it in terms of plot. I just mm. thought about it in terms of the practicality of the availability to actually be in a relationship. Yeah. He also describes her as a polished person. Yeah. Which... Is weird in like as in a Polish person. Well, as a Polish person, of course, it's yeah. nice to see some uh, representation on screen. <laughs> um, no, I think it's it's weird uh, because he said it back to back with saying that she was a lot more finished, which right. is, you know just we're talking about furniture. But <laughs> I think I think uh, well, I don't know. Is they're both pretty polished. They're all fucking spick and span, looking oh, nice. Everyone's for the TV, spick you know? and span. I just like what I assume is that. Abigail is able to be in a monogamous relationship right now, and he knows that for certain. Yeah. He then says that Abigail makes him feel warm and nurtured. He then says Jess gives him the same feeling, but she's more of an unknown, and that would be the risk. Mm. Georgia says, and rightly, in my opinion, if you want a closed relationship, one of them is definitely up for that, and one of them may not want that. Yep. That's, I mean, look. If you that's uh, the crux of it. If you get your friend to come on this show for the hometown or whatever this fucking thing is called, if you bring your person in, if you sort of coach them on, well, I don't know. She didn't even seem coached. Right. It just seems like, yeah, you want to present Abigail's the better option. Looks like she is. You know, she's put it perfectly. There's no confusion. She's like, look, you have two choices right here. One of them's quite good. The other one, we're not so sure about. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do here? Right. Right. Uh, and Abigail, at the same time, is sitting on this bomb, okay? She knows everything about Jess Nabin's desire to continue her sexual relationship with Damien. At this point, she's the only person outside of Jess who knows this. Right. right? Jess divulged this to her at the cocktail party right. in the previous episode. And so, 
does she tell Felix about Jess's intention to continue a sexual relationship with Damien? She really smartly, in my opinion, decides not to do that. She does not want to be the rat. And we've talked about the rat this season. Right. You never want to end up being the rat. I think that this, if you have decided that this information needs to come out, Mm -hmm. this is the right way to hear it. Because Mm. if you're going to hear it from someone, it's better to hear it from mummy. Yes. Don't you think? Because, yeah, this is this is her choice. She's like, I'm not going to tell him directly. That'll make me look bad. But I am going to tell his mum, which, in my opinion, is a gamble. It's definitely a gamble. But I think that it's of the choices that you have made. If you have already made the decision that it needs this information needs to come out, it's much this safer. is your best option. Absolutely. Right. And so she says, Jess has been sharing things at the mansion, which possibly haven't gone to Felix. When I last spoke to Jess... She had said that after the finale, she would still maintain a sexual relationship with her current partner, Damien, who is 33 and from Townsville. (laughs) Always mention those details. It's very important. Jenny again questions, if she loved Felix, why would you be even thinking that you want an open relationship? Which is not the point. Yeah, I don't. I really didn't actually like that. I don't know that Jenny necessarily is... Jenny's being presented with something that is very, very challenging and is not adapting to this idea of, of change and fluidity very well, I think. Yeah, like I feel like there's a level of uh, familiarity or um, literacy about this kind of stuff that maybe she just doesn't have. Certainly, but we're also preconditioned that this is The Bachelor. Mm. And so she's probably also struggling with that. There are lots of layers to... Why, but I don't disagree that this is a very harmful way to frame it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Big Gail basically yes ands her. She's right. like, look, I hear you with what you're saying. I'm paraphrasing here. But then she says, probably those things about Jess's intentions need to be brought out tomorrow. She will come across as a soft, gentle character, but it's about honesty. Mm. This is about as well as you could do without snitching. And yeah. at this point, you're just hoping that the mum doesn't rat on you. It's like the world's gentlest snitch, yeah. I think. I think like maybe it just crosses the line on into snitching, but not in a way that makes Abigail... And a lot of this is editing, and a lot right. of it is like the way that they framed it. Um, they don't want you to dislike Abigail for doing this. Right. Um, and I don't, you know, but uh, yeah, it's she, she softens it as much as she possibly can. Exactly. But someone does dislike her. We'll come back to it. Oh, yeah. Felix and Big Gail are sitting by the bar and the parents have gone home, okay? And so Gail tells him, I'm fully falling for you. I'm 100% in. And Felix tells her how lovely it was for her to meet his nearest and dearest, despite only one of them having a first name, it seems. (laughs) Yeah. Adding, I think they now think they have a daughter and that they no longer have a son. This is fun. It's great. It's great banter. Yeah. Felix continues in ITM. He says, I think it's time that I start letting her know what she means to me. Mm -hmm. I reckon I'd be at home right now if it wasn't for you. Which is a big thing to say to someone. That's a big statement, yeah. Because you fucking tell Jess Navin that, you know? Right, right. He says, you have brought so much out of me that I didn't know was there. You are a special person. You mean so much to me. You're someone who I could fall in love with, and I think I would. What he says exactly is, you are someone I can fall in love with, and I think I would. Oh. That's so interesting linguistically, right? That's another one of these phrases that is like almost a pure 
sort of expression almost right. exactly right, what you want to hear. Between could and can. Right. Right. And thank you. Yeah, he says you are someone I can fall in love with. So it's like that's almost like hypothetical. Active. And then he's like, that's not quite enough. So then he is go. I think he is going to say, and I think I will. Yes. But he sort of pivots at the last minute there as well, you know. Yeah. Because what it all is is a balancing act, right? When you're admitting love to somebody, when you're saying one of these great statements on The Bachelor, when you're climbing the semantic ladder, yeah, it's all about saying exactly the amount that you can get away with without, uh, you know, it being embarrassed if you end up not with the person, right? Without, you know, uh, going too far. And spoiling things. And so what your mind does, even on a subconscious level, is, right. it, is it sort of slightly twists the phrase a little bit. And this is right. why it always comes up in a slightly different way. Which is why you just want to hear, I'm falling in love with you. Exactly. And that's how you know, when you hear that, that's like, okay, well, finally, we've actually, you know, we've actually made it. Yeah. Whatever. That's the purest expression with no ifs, ands, or buts, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, that's wonderful. And that can be an extremely cathartic experience. But I, as a complete nerd and total <laughs> freak, I'm <laughs> so fascinated in the, in the ways, the subtle ways that the language shifts and presents itself in very slightly different ways. And how it is then interpreted. Because we hear from Big Gale in right. ITM right now. And she says, I'm feeling loved. Oh, no. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, it, that means that it worked on her. Yeah. She can tell that you're progressing, you're moving up. She's hearing more from him than she uh, ever has and probably expected to hear. Exactly. Even though as far as he's concerned, he has backed off a tiny bit from going 100%, you know? He kind of goes 100% or he goes closer to 100% in confessional. Well, this is different because it's different what you can say to somebody's face and what you can say about somebody to somebody else or to a camera or whatever. Because he then describes her as wife material. Right. What do you think about that phrase? I mean, it's a funny phrase, isn't it? Mm. It's something you're almost just as likely to hear at this stage or on night one. You know, I feel like you can see somebody and be like, knife knife material. Knife material. She's made of stainless steel. (laughs) Um, Yes, wife material is, uh, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because at this point in the conversation, it feels like even though the words are the same as they might be on a red carpet, you know, limo entrance. Intention um, is different. The intention is different. The context changes it. And Mm -hmm. so at this point, you're like, oh, okay. And obviously... Cut her out. Make her a wife. Well, the, the context is that we are actually talking about these men trying to find someone who they will literally propose marriage yes. to. Yes. So that also changes the, our interpretation of this phrase as well. Right. Um, now, are we going to see that? I don't know. I don't um, think so. Maybe not. Um, maybe he's just talking about the cool dress she's wearing. This is like a fucking good look for It's a great look. Yeah. Yeah. We saw some very good looks on this episode, I will it's say. It stands in stark contrast to a lot of the looks I think that we have seen yeah. uh, this season. However... Uh, I think they nailed it generally in these episodes. I have to say, like, as much as there are some things that work and some things that don't, the amount of, like, swinging for the fences as far as the outfits and makeup and hair and stuff go, um, I really appreciate. Yeah, okay. Because it fe- there are certain parts of this show where you can feel that corners are being cut and um, things are not quite as high quality as they maybe once were. Uh-huh. Editing, we're talking about like the, 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 the things that happen on a single day. You know, all these things have been scaled way down. Uh-huh. But we still have this sort of like glitz and glamour of like, you know, the, the presentation of, you know, how everybody looks. We next get the bad boy music, which means it's time for some stock footage of Jed ambling down the street in an acid wash jean jacket. <laughs> Forget MGK, Xavier. 
I reckon Billy Idol has a lot to answer for. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I can see it. The it hair is a nice day for a white wedding. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, we see uh, we see one of his women show up in a white suit. You know. Mm-hmm. So Jed tells the camera, "I've been falling in love with Alicia since the day that I met her." <whistles> There's a lot at stake. Meeting her family, because I want them to like me. We see Alicia walking along. Exactly what you mentioned. This powerful white power suit. Mm-hmm. The subtitle said rippling electronic music. Oh and God. I was like, this is fucking 80s action right now. White wedding. Mm, true. She looks fantastic. Oh, right? she's out of this world. Fucking yeah. crushing it. And it's so funny, the contrast between the outfit that she has chosen and the outfit he has chosen. Right. Because both of them feel very honest to who they are. Yes. And, and you know, I mean... The only thing that I know about either of them is from this show, so I don't necessarily know what their like personal style would be if they just got out of bed. Yeah, in, and we in don't know too much about Alicia at all, really. Right. <laughs> That's a big problem with this mm. show. But uh, it is so funny to see them next to each other, and they both seem to be fitting with our perceptions of who they are, and it's good costuming and stuff. But the fact that they are, as they are later described, chalk and cheese, at least as far as the, the costumes go. Yeah. And it's funny also that Jed is wearing this, like, sort of rough denim jacket with, like, prints all over the back and stuff. Because, like, you could have chosen something else. <laughs> could know? have. You could have, you know. And I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think he should necessarily feel bad about what he chose to wear either. But, like, he must have known that this was going to, you know, raise an eyebrow. Ruffle to. some feathers. Yeah. Some conservative dad feathers will oh, get there. Well, let's talk about that dad. Yeah, yeah. So we will be meeting Alicia's dad, whose name I did not catch as well as her sister and her brother, but not her mum. She tells a producer that her mum thinks commercial TV is a crock of S-H-I-D. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. I learned more about her mum than I learned about several people on this show. My she goodness, wasn't even here. Right? Like, Ella was on this show, and I know nothing about her. Yeah. Alicia's mum was not, and I know a really firm opinion of hers. Yeah. Alicia's dad, though, is the one to look out for here. And he walks onto the scene in a blue striped polo top yep. with a sweater tied around his neck, yep. which is an extremely subtle way to explain that this dude is sort of, you know, an, an aging prep. He's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's a conservative dude. He is, uh, you'll be surprised to hear, a white guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a very funny image, this guy cuts. So Alicia tells her family that, she loves being with Jed, but she didn't know about the ring. And Dad says, Much like you. Me neither. You don't know what happens in it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Dad says, Okay, so you've met somebody and you're in this very artificial environment. But what happens afterward? Okay, so he's Brad Pitt. Do new 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 new. And so then he says in ITM, she doesn't usually dive into things without thinking. And Alicia says, it's not a question of being with Jed. It's a question of the proposal. I don't know if I can say yes to a proposal after seven weeks. So this is the way that they have, uh, and I think very smartly, yes. managed to find some texture to the Jed storyline. Mm. Because it has been so obvious that Jed and Alicia will end up together from, like, what, the first episode probably or at least pretty soon after that i thought it was going to be jed and angela or De jed and alicia from the first episode 
Right. I never thought Angela was. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. it's my fault. Um, maybe I didn't pick up on something in the first episode or, you know, there was some cue I missed or whatever. Yeah, but Alicia has come back time and time again, whereas Angela has felt like a late comer. Right. And so now the question, as she says, is not will it be Jed and me, but what? Uh, what's the deal with this fucking ring? Exactly. And so now we meet Jed's fam. His brother Jack, his dad Blank, and his mum Sarah... <laughs> Who? We're doing this podcast straight after it aired. I'm impressed you got anyone's name. Thank I'm you. impressed you got Angela's name right. Who? <laughs> Lou? Uh, anyway, she's upset Jed's mum about his potty mouth. <laughs> That's right. This scene is great. She says, you shouldn't swear in front of Alicia. They're bickering. I think uh, the dynamic between Jed and his family is really good. Yeah, like, am I starting to enjoy Jed at this point? What is happening? Isn't it sickening? But it's like, if this were 2003, like, Jed and his family would be spun off onto their own, like, Oh, the yeah, this is the Osborns. Right, yeah. Good. So, Jed says now that he's nervous to meet Alicia's dad, telling us to the camera, if I were the father of that gorgeous woman, I would be pounding anyone with questions... Interesting. Phrasing. Yeah. Well, what it is is just an insight into patriarchy and, you know, if you're the dad, then of course you want to be protective and be the bulldog for your daughter. You don't want to pound anyone with <laughs> questions. Right. But it's like the, you know, you better not touch my beautiful daughter. Or right. Whatever. This yeah. is not my beautiful question, pound. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's a stupid podcast, it this is one. A bit, yeah. Letting the days go by. Uh, Sarah likes Alicia, but Alicia's dad does not like Jed. This is obvious to anyone, I would say, with a pulse, a set of eyes and ears. Yeah. He says he's a drummer with tattoos, which is surprising. But I'm a conservative old fella. There you go. Dad says the quiet part loud. Mm -hmm. He continues to camera. Sounds like Jed is unrealistic. Music is a big part of his life. Will that be a problem? (laughs) Sounds like it's going to be too loud. Sounds like, I don't know if you can find a stable employment in that industry. I mean, look, if he if he wants to listen to Mozart, Chopin and Rachmaninoff, maybe. But if he's listening to these damn <laughs> punk <laughs> bands I've heard so much about. <laughs> what are the, They're pistols and they do sex? I don't think that's what pistols are for I don't at all. That's what, no, 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 no. So Alicia's sister pulls genocide and just quickly genocide i think like at least four women have committed this this season they've said <laughs> absolutely not you've got to go in fact i'm living myself so it's interesting that the um conservative father seems to be in favor of- she seems to be- <laughs> <laughs> oh dear okay so anyway she's talking to jed about the proposal okay not the movie <laughs> But in fact, the action that Jed is going to propose to propose. I understand. Yes. And she says, I don't think it's the right thing to do. She's looking forward to spending more time with you. But I don't think she's looking forward to getting engaged. This is, in my opinion, great advice. Jed then says, but the ring is endgame for me. (laughs) I thought Alicia is endgame. It's very Fortnite here. Sure. You know, um, but if the ring is off the table, I'm not sure. Right, so for some reason, he's... This feels phony to me. Yeah. This, this does not ring true, so So you think Jed's going to pick Alicia? I do think Jed's going to pick Alicia. And I also think that, like, 
he doesn't feel like the ring is endgame. As much as maybe we believe because he's a Christian person and whatever that like he's more susceptible to doing it or whatever. Uh-huh. I still think like he's a human being and like the relationship with Alicia is more important than giving a ring to somebody, hypothetically, no matter who it is. All that I have to counter that and what I've been weighing up against in my in my thoughts about this is that at the start of the season we were told that two Men would propose. Yes. We can safely rule out Felix. That man's not proposing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my gut says the same thing. So who is Jed proposing to? Because Alicia does not want to be proposed to. So why? He still does it. You think so? Yeah, I do. Oh. Or I think we spend an hour or so of the next episode dealing with that and talking it over. And whatever. I'm looking at the end game of Jangela. Well, also, uh, well, that's interesting. I've got Jangela fever. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I could see it, but it would really shock me. Actually, like if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know we don't have any guarantee that the proposal will be successful or even wanted. Okay. You know? Fair enough. It's not like they've said two people will get engaged. Right. Yeah. And they um, certainly have not said two people will still be together now here in 2023. Still no. Do you think... Okay, check-in time. We have no knowledge of this. Do you think... What are the chances that anybody is still together right now? I think that Thomas and Leah and Jed and Angela could still be together. Wow. Wow. I don't think that Jaleesia could be together, Mm. and I don't think that Felix and anyone could be together. That is including women that he has met after the show. Okay, that's fun. I like that. I think nobody's together. Interesting. That's my... I'm going with that. You know who else thinks nobody should be together? (laughs) It's Elysia's dad. (laughs) Yeah, Elysia's dad does think no one. Yeah. He says, look at her and look at Jed. They're chalk and cheese. Look They're at just her. wearing different styles of jackets. She's conservative as. Look at him. He's very... He's quite... Finish his sentence. <laughs> he's a rapscallion. He's rambunctious. I think he's that rebellious. he wants to say a slur so badly. Oh, really? I think he wants to say the P slur. But he's so not. That's the thing. Mm. He like couldn't be less gay. I know. He I mean not I mean not in the way that like Felix couldn't be less gay. Sure. But like he's not gay. He's so not gay. Yeah. They they don't want to put a gay man on TV. Not a chance. It's so confusing but and upsetting. Dad's seeing eyeliner, dad's seeing toenails, I and get he's going, oh sometimes dads don't think too far about this stuff. Yeah. They think like, well, I've seen guys wearing that before. And the type of building Certainly I don't like to go he's into. Got a nose ring. You think yeah. about that. Right. Stands in stark contrast to what we see from a dad in a minute. But uh, he continues this, this dad in ITM. He goes, I don't see engagement rings on the horizon. I don't see wedding bells. I don't think Jed's got any chance of getting her at all. Okay. We'll so Jed pulls Alicia for a chat. This is all about the ring. Alicia is not ready. And I want to say this is extremely fair. Well, yeah, because it's a really scary movie. Fucking A. <laughs> it's been seven weeks. Also a really scary movie. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't know that one. No, I, I made it up. Funnily enough, though, The Ring is predicated on something happening seven days after, you know. Well, anyway, well, this isn't for you. Jed says, 
I know it's such a big thing and the stress is getting to you. The ring is, I'm not asking to marry you then and there. Like it's a season in itself. And I mean, you can be engaged for like five years. So what he's suggesting, yes, as a man who we're supposed to believe wants to propose to somebody, yes, he's suggesting that yes, they have to get engaged right now, yes. but it's okay because they can be engaged for about five years. We can years. be as engaged as we want for as long as we want. It could not be clearer to me that this man does not want to get engaged right here and now, but is being forced to. Yeah. Like, it's not really up to him, or there's some bonus predicated on it, or there's some positive thing that comes from him for doing for, for him from doing it. I think that he wants to get engaged, and he's trying to pander to what she wants, and he's trying to convince her. But why would somebody want to get engaged that badly that it doesn't... Like, you have to strongly convince somebody that they want to do it as well, and the proviso is that you can be engaged for however fucking long, it doesn't even matter, as long as you are engaged. Because you're on TV, I think. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I don't think he actually wants to get engaged. It's just that because he's on TV, that's the situation he's in. I think that because he's on TV, he's convinced himself that he wants to get engaged. Well, I guess... That's what I think's happened with Thomas also. That makes sense in the sense that, like, once you get told that this is going to have to happen, yes, you have to scramble to make your peace with that. Right, exactly. But that doesn't necessarily fall in line with wanting something to me. Yeah. To I me, think it doesn't in- feel like he wants it. To me, it feels like he has to do it, and so he is clutching at anything that will make him okay with that. Yeah, for me, it's like, I think he's decided that he wants it because he's in the situation. I think that Thomas has decided he wants it, no questions asked. And I think Felix is like, absolutely fucking not. Presumably, this is the easiest, well, uh, aside from the human element. Yes. But like, you know, if you are able to get yourself and your partner to a position where this engagement seems like a good idea. Yes. And you want to get engaged at some point, so it may as well be now. Hypothetically, this in- this is the easiest time to do it for free you. Free ring. Because you're getting a free ring. Yeah. And maybe, what, I don't know, you're going to get some, like... You might get Women's Day. Right, you're gonna get some coverage. You're gonna get like you maybe know, they'll pay you twenty grand for the photos or televise whatever. the wedding. You yeah, know, whatever it is. I mean, I doubt it in this mm. in this country in this day and age, but still. So what happens is that Jed says to her, "What is it about this five year engagement that I've just proposed that scares you?" <laughs> I don't want to force the readiness of that onto anyone. And she pushes back, and she's like, "It feels like you're trying to put pressure on me." <laughs> you think? By putting something on top of that. Right? She's like, we have a nice thing already. Don't fuck it up by proposing. We've been dating for like six weeks. fucking Michael Scott in season two of The Office. Proposes to the um, real estate agent who is his wife in real life. Oh, okay. Anyway. I've watched it. It's crazy. The stuff they, like, honestly, it's, it's just like my real office. Nah. Your real office is you and me talking to each We're other about in the bad yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jed tells the camera, this has rocked me to my core. <laughs> Love it. While Alicia says, if he were to propose after what we talked about, I would say no. I wasn't aware of a proposal prior to coming in here, and I don't plan on leaving with one just because it's a television show. 
Perfect. Love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Love that from Elysia. Set those we'll see where this goes. Set like what should be an extremely obvious and easy to understand boundary. Yeah, and enforce as well. Yeah. We'll see how easy it is for her to enforce as we move forward. Right. But we stay with Jed now. He says that yesterday's date with Elysia didn't go the way he wanted, but now he's concentrating on Angela. Oh, great. Okay. Everyone is back at the dinner table. I'm struggling to work out where this is. It's in Queensland. It's, I don't think it matters. No. Yeah. And so Mum Sarah says to the family, yesterday was so disappointing. I mean, we know you, Jed, and you are nice, but dot, 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 and we get cut off. Jed tells his family that he feels balanced when he's with Angela. We cut to Angela getting glam, feeling excited to tell her family about her new boy, which is a big deal for sure. her. Yeah. Because her one hang-up is that she is guarded about her emotions. This, to me, feels like a believable one hang-up for a bachelorette. Mm -hmm. Don't propose feels maybe, by comparison, like that little step too far for what I have expected from this show in the past. That's really interesting because I'm seeing it the other way around, Mm. but I'm so curious because it feels like it could go either way to me. Right. So we're meeting Angela's dad, Andre plus her mum, Liz, and an old man who we can only assume is her tennis granddad. Loved seeing this old man. Who was this? Not sure he got a single line of dialogue. This he old man, just, he plays one. He was along for the fun, you know? Um, so she tells them that, yes, Jed is tattooed. <laughs> There's even one on his neck. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. And that she wants to know what they think of him. Andre says, how hard do you want me to go? And Angela says, that's what she said. <laughs> and that reminds me of that TV show. And Angela says, don't put him in a body bag because there is, at the end of this, a proposal. It's very likely. Let's be real. Jed would love getting in a body bag. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, take a picture of me in there. Oh, That's my God. Yeah, shit, yeah. You know? That's the coolest shit that I've ever seen. Can there be spiders? <laughs> yeah. Andre softens right away, saying in confessional... Any father loves to see their daughter engaged to a bloke that's going to make her happy. And as they meet the family, his first question to Jed is, what do you think of Angela's tennis? This is fascinating. This is such a subversion of the bulldog role that we were so expecting. Because if you remember, their blind date was on a tennis court. And uh, it's it's also really funny that uh, the tennis is on the other channel. <laughs> they're kind of just, just reminding us at this point. I'm like, well, right. don't say that. You right. Know? The more they talk about tennis, the more I'm like, oh. It's fascinating how this other bit is glossed over in the same way that it is, or, or solved easily in the same way that it is with Abigail and Felix. He then talks to Jed about how he travels for his work as a musician. Yeah. And Jed says, look, probably we'll look to do an Australian tour off the back of this. But Angela could come. He also notes, though, that balance is important and that Angela has her own life. She can decide what she wants to do. And I can't believe that I'm coming around to Jed. The fact that Angela is like, oh, knowing that I could tag along on his tour is all the reassurance that I need. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get stuck in some fucking stupid situation. No one wants to go on tour. You're going to be stuck behind the merch desk. You do not. uh, Yeah. You're going to be talking to fans who are like, oh, 
you were on The Bachelor too. Hey, can I get a shirt half price? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, she's going to get paid not a penny. Nothing. Uh, it's going to be brutal. She's going to be sleeping in some of the worst motel rooms you've ever seen in your life. Some of the worst caravans. With his brother and the other dude who were yeah. in his shitty band. Yeah, you'll sometimes sleep in a McDonald's, you know? Yeah. Angela... We wish you all the very best. <laughs> you deserve better. I'm telling yeah. you. Even yeah. though Jed is like, you know, growing on us and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's like clearly a rich kid and, you know, he's going to oh, be yeah. fine. But, uh, you, yeah, Angela, you know, come on, baby. Andre is also... <laughs> it's so late. <laughs> it's so late. Andre is also feeling the love for Jed. He pulls him aside for a chat by a weird little bush. Great. And he says, you know the expression... Don't judge a book by its cover. Let's talk about your cover. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. This was so fucking funny to me. Because Jed, the first time you see Jed, you're like, oh, this guy's all cover, no book. Basically, (laughs) right? You're like, right. This is a person who's put a great amount of like time and effort into their cover. Exactly this. And, uh, you know, we're we're worrying about the the other stuff after the fact, you know? And that is like... And that cover is not necessarily going to be to everybody's taste. Dad's like, it's very different. The nails, the nose ring, the tats. Sure. By the way... I can't believe how much everybody's having trouble getting around this. Like, of all things, really. But look, that's the world we live in. But here he is getting around it. He goes, I love this one here, pointing at his neck tattoos. Yeah. And then he says, I don't judge a book by its cover. He's open. He's great. Yeah. You're a fairly attractive guy. And all I want is that if you were to marry and be with Ange... You would love and respect her. Beautiful. This is where we cut away to confessional, and I want you to talk about dad tears for a minute, because you had a great point while we were talking about this during the episode. Yeah, so Andre starts getting emotional when he's talking about Jed, and when he's talking about Angela, and when he's talking about, you know, he's realizing the possibility that his daughter is falling in love, and this thing is serious, Mm -hmm. and it's this wonderful thing that you see on a Bachelor hometown where... um, you know, they're, they're realizing that this thing, while it seems pretty phony on its surface, maybe the cover, you know, um, there's actually something there. There's a real relationship it's that's really blooming. Lovely. And I think particularly, this is the thing that I tweeted, sometimes see this from the mom, and uh-huh. that's, gr- that's good. You know, like, mom tears are wonderful. But if you get dad tears when you're on this show... That's when you know something really serious is happening. Something, and that's an extreme gender binary sort of position or way of thinking or whatever, which I don't necessarily think reflects real life. But within the confines of this show, that obviously Mm -hmm. loves the gender binary, loves gender roles, loves you know, um, you know the the idea that a mum will cry. Sure, we get it. But if you get the dad crying, then that's really something because dads are strong and mighty and they never shed a tear or whatever. Right. I get how reductive that is, but also that's the show we're dealing with. That's what the show's telling us. And I think, yeah, it, it really, you know, it comes to the fore here. Right. Particularly as he's saying he's the guy. Right. Back on the couch, Ange and Jed cuddle up and it feels really nice. She asks him, how are you feeling about this finale coming up? And he says, today you've made me feel very happy and peaceful. And in ITM, we hear this thing again from Ange. I don't know whether it's the same uh, clip from the previous episode or whether mm. she said it twice, but she says it feels like it's meant to be. Yeah. And then she tells Jed, everything about you, I'm all about. You can't fake chemistry. I know that you're not there yet, but that's no reason I should hold it in. I've definitely gotten to a point where I am falling in love with you. 
left, right? And Jed, then Jed, oh my God, this surprises is so good. us all. Yeah, he says, "I'm falling in love with you too." Of course, you know that. I've just been waiting to crack. I've just been waiting for you to crack that nut open. <laughs> it's pretty funny phrasing. Yeah, and that's the end of that date. We look forward to seeing Angela at finale. Let's talk Tommy. <sighs> Finally, Let's it's do, Thomas uh, time. Look, you know, you're probably looking down at your phone and going like, why are they talking about Thomas for another nine hours? This man is unwell. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to make of this. Well, okay, so basically what Thomas has decided is that he doesn't want to meet anyone for hometowns. Right. He doesn't want to meet the girls' families. He doesn't want to introduce his mum to them. He's done. He knows what he's going to do. Goodbye. Yeah, we hear, we hear in ITM a woman... Who is in the subtitles labeled as woman, not producer <laughs> or anything? I'm like, does she yeah. even work here? No, she may not. Woman says, uh, Thomas, what's going on? And he goes, Well, I came here to find love and I'm ready. I've got no more questions to be answered. I've got no more doubts, no more hesitations, and I'm just so ready to dive in. And then the woman says, Can you tell us who it is? And he says, No, but I'm so excited to tell her in finale. 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 It's so funny. There's a couple of those. Um, he talks about how uh, it's going to be one of the two. Leah, who has one of the purest hearts that he's ever met. Lauren, who he really connects deeply with in heart and soul. And this next step of meeting in-laws is unnecessary. We're simply not meeting the families and not Skipping to steer it. us down conspiracy corner. But this is a weird culty thing to do, I think. Yeah, I don't know what, what, what cultiness it has. But I just think it's just weird for... The sake of the show, like I, I just think it's like one. I think of those we think it's culty because it's it, this uh, dialogue is played over footage of him shirtless at the beach, where his big Illuminati tattoo is faced out towards the camera. But again. It's also disempowering in the sense because there's no one who ha- will then have the opportunity to talk Leah or Lauren out of this. Right, oh, it's bonkers. Like there is no way you could persuade me that the. Six weeks, I guess, is what we're hearing. Uh-huh. Seven, according to Angela right. Alicia in the previous date. That whatever condensed, hyper-focused timeline that this thing has been proceeding along has been more than enough time. And Thomas has decided, like, I'm sick of waiting. I know. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, I've made my final decision. It doesn't matter. Right. Bizarre. Okay. But he has invited his mum. This is filler. So why did that happen then? She should not be here. Go home, Ruth. And I, look, I, I did not pay very much attention to this and I couldn't tell you anything that Ruth said. Basically, you have, you have some notes? here's what happens. He's like, I've invited my mum here today. I can't wait to tell her that I'm falling in love. Right. And then he does. And then that's it, right? That's it. The way that he describes these women... He goes, it's crazy. One is Leah. She's amazing. She's pure of heart. She's very special. Knows exactly what she wants, like me. And then Lauren, of course. I was like, oh, my God. I've got strong feelings for her. Lots of chemistry. It's really important to tell your mum this. Yeah, this is great. This is fascinating content. Ruth is asked by a producer if she's cool with Thomas doing a marriage. And she's like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, it's all any mother wants. I could not have expected this. It's something I couldn't have dreamt of. And then Thomas cries to her and says that he's found the girl. 
I was so annoyed, not because I think Thomas is chewing up too much time in this episode. He's chewing up no time. He's chewing up no time in this episode. But the fact that he's made this decision and then we still have to endure him. Like, I'm just like, get on with it. We're fucking right, exactly. two hours deep like, in this episode, basically, you know? Leave it there. We don't need Ruth. Anyway. But bye, Thomas. We'll see you next episode. Right. Uh, we're meeting Jess's brothers now, okay? There's Jack and Dylan. Oh, my God. We haven't even started on the Jess stuff. We're Jesus. about to start on the Jess stuff, okay, and it's very it. exciting. Uh, we're also meeting Damien again, who just says that she's invited so that his parents can ask him any questions. He just fucking waltzes in, though. It's great. So we're now sitting with Felix's family, and Jenny, Felix's mum, tells him, I want to go home. She says in confessional, I haven't met her yet, but I don't think that she's the right person. Hmm. This is where Felix tries to step up his defense of Jess. Yeah. He says, let's not picture Jessica as the face of polyamory. She's not. Which I agree with. Accurate. Yeah, very accurate. I don't know if necessarily... I think the spirit with which he means it is... Don't just see a polyamorous person when you look at Jess. Oh. I want you to see an entire human being. Uh-huh. But the spirit that I took it in was Jess is not like most polyamorous people or, you know, most polyamorous people are in all sorts of different types of situations and relationships. And I don't think you should view her as the only example of that. The spirit, that's the spirit that I would like to take it in. Yeah. The spirit that I interpreted it in was... um. I'm working on it. We'll get her back to monogamy soon. Oh, I see. You know You're what like, I mean? Don't see her as the face of um, polyamory because she the, actually is probably she's actually more monogamous than the you face think. of being married to me. Yes. Know? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Jess tells her brothers, "I have to decide whether I want to be with Felix or whether I want to go back to Damien." Anyway, Damien enters. He's wearing a suit with a weird purple tie and everything. They are like fawning Damien and Jess, like, doting on each other. She says in confessional, it's a lot. It's just a lot. The Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Hey! It's Max there. has ended the bit. Uh, Damien says, let's take all the pressure off. There's no decision that needs to be made here because we haven't had the chance to talk. And this, to me, is fascinating. <laughs> it's wild, because they have had nothing but chances to talk, right? Right, exactly. But he is also now building in an extra set of conditions, irrespective of Felix, that will give him the last word in whatever this is, right? Or a chance to pry Jess back, because we've not had our conscious conversation. In a very different way to, like, I was feeling like Thomas was removing the agency, behaving in, like, that cultish way where... um. The women are separated from their families. No one has a chance to say, probably don't do this. Right. In this case, I'm getting cult energy from, from Damien here. Felix tells his mum, Jess has assured me that it's over between her and Damien. And Jenny counters, Abigail has told me that at the end of this, Jess is going to have a sexual relationship with Damien. She deploys this, uh, this truth bomb. <sighs> it's been ratted though. Well, you know what yes. I mean? That's true, yeah. She she doesn't just say, like, I'm concerned that you might want to continue having a sexual relationship. Exactly. She says, Abigail said this. Right, exactly. Problem. And Felix says, that's news to me. If that's the case, this ends here right now. But also, this is a competitive environment. Maybe some of the girls are trying to get a leg up. And that is the point at which that I think this might implode for Abigail. 
right? Well, yeah, you don't want to be a snitch. You don't want to be a rat. You don't want to be caught out. And, uh, you know, as much as she tried to approach this as gently as possible, you can see this blowing up in her face. Right. And so here's what Felix says in confessional. And he says this about Jess, firstly. She's not the type to lie. What makes you say that? It's very hard for me to say. We've not seen anything of Jess. And all, in fact, that we have seen of Jess portrayed on the show is that she is uh, generously indecisive about which man she wants to be with. Right. I don't necessarily tag her as deceitful. No. But I wouldn't necessarily always believe the best about her intentions in everything exactly, she says. Exactly. But either. he is willing to. And in this case, he then says, is there an element of competition here? Is that gamesmanship? I'm annoyed that that came up yesterday. It's not for Abigail to speak on. It's for Jessica to speak on. Which I don't love. You know what I mean? Like, he is rushing to the defense of Jessica. And I agree. Like, Abigail has recognized this isn't for me to speak on. And it's just that she has been ratted out by the mum, even though I feel like, again, probably being generous, she's tried to take the most tactful approach to getting that information out there. Hmm. Enter immediately Damien. He comes into the batch pad first. Right. With Jess and the brothers in tow. And we hear him saying, Damien, Damien, I'm Damien. Felix yells to the camera, Oh yeah, he does a big weird scream again. It's very odd. Mm. He goes, here we go again. It's the Damien show. Jess notes the uncomfortable tension in the air and tries to clear things up here with Felix's family. She says, you're probably wondering why I applied for this show. (laughs) That's me. I bet you're wondering how we ended up here. Yeah. I love Damien. I care about Damien. Stop. Go home. Yeah, truly. These are not things you want to be saying to the boyfriend's family, you know? He's spiritual. Emotionally intelligent. I was curious about this beautiful person, but it may not be forever. I really value, like, experiences in life. Mm Mm-hmm. That feels in line with Jess's personality as far as we've seen, in the sense that she wants to be free and open to everything that life has to offer. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. But I do think that it's inherently incompatible with what's going on here. With what's happening here on the show, The Bachelor. Right. And so Damien says, if I was a more traditional type of thinker, I would have said, Jess going on The Bachelor makes me uncomfortable. But one of the purest things about having a deep spiritual connection with someone, then he says some shit about wanting the best for her and holding her in in her heart or fucking... I'm just reading this as creepy and I want to talk about now Damien drinking from the glass. Oh, well, Damien doesn't drink like normal people. No. He does a little dainty little like, I don't know, the wrong fingers are in play. Something's dangling on the wrong side. It's all a bit odd. There's all there's, there's something that is just a bit creepy here. And I also want to talk about Damien's situation in terms of what he does on social media. Okay, because I think the Damien is creepy, Damien is a cult leader sort of thing is a bit too easy of a rating based on what we're seeing in the television show. Uh, I think what is happening is complicated and we are being selectively told, you know, versions of what's going on here and that uh-huh. sort of thing. However, I'm aware that you, Max Quinn, my friend and co-host of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, 
have done some research. So this man is a practitioner of neurotransformation therapy. Okay. Now. That's something I know heaps about, but like for the <laughs> listeners, maybe just tell them, you know? So it's something that not even Google knows very much about, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. It appears... I haven't posted that much about it, but anyway, yeah, just for the listener anyway. Like just for somebody who's not quite as well-read as me, because I love books. I don't know if I mentioned that on here, but um, something I do a lot is like... Go in at, your books. Looking at books. Yeah go, yeah, go for it though. Talk about it. Please. Really good. Okay, so... As best I can tell, back in one of the earlier episodes of this podcast, when we first talked about Thomas Malicelli, we talked about how he has said that he is an NLP coach. We talked about that as neuro-linguistic programming. Basically, a pseudoscience that says that you can control your thoughts to alter your behaviors. Mm -hmm. And he's a coach in that. Damien, I will say that this feels like to me a cousin of this thing. Okay. Okay. Neurotransformation therapy. It seems to be practiced by this one man called Luke Hawkins, principally. Reading directly from his website here, lukehawkins.com. And I just want to show you, I just want to show you the website. It's a bit messy, isn't it? This is black and white text. It's not the best looking website I've ever seen. It's a shocker. I also, wait, wait, wait. There's so much more to show you. Look, oh I don't goodness. think that, that having a, uh, a useful worldview and having a um, bad looking website are incompatible, you know? I just feel like they're more correlated than not. I'm with you, but I want to go deeper. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Look, this man... Um, says that neurotransformation therapy provides the greatest tools on earth used for transformation and change based on the latest neuroscience. These tools will allow you to get to the core root of what is holding people back in their life. Well, that sounds really good. Through this training, you are able to work with people so they have the ability to clear depression, anxiety, lose weight, quit smoking, remove addictions, transform confidence and do professional business coaching. And I just like to <laughs> land on that last one. Okay. That's great. Cause these are, you know, you listed a couple of goals that I think are quite common and then you've landed on one that I think is quite specific. And so when you land on the homepage of lukehawkins.com, he brands it as Australia's biggest coaching school with over 1700 coaches trained. We help get coaches to 50 K a month in four months or less. That's interesting, isn't it? This so we've got finance happening here. This is all about building business. Mm. Okay? Like, so much of what's going on with LukeHawkins.com is having the seven-figure academy. <laughs> Supercharge your success. During seven-figure academy, learn how to apply the seven-figure committed way model to go from 0K to 50K in four months or less in your business. Right? Well, but that's great, because if I look at our business that we run here, yep. you know, we've got a Patreon page. We've got a lot of beautiful, wonderful people who are helping to keep this the wheels turning over here mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, sending us a little bit of money. We truly thank and appreciate all those people greatly. Right. However, I will say, and this is not to sound ungrateful, the number, the total that we're bringing in 
couldn't be less seven figures. If yeah, it could right. not be. It could yeah, not be right. less seven figures. So this is exactly what I need, I think, this is right? exactly what we need. And do you know what, Xavier? I don't know. Are you, do you consider yourself to be an anxious person sometimes? Uh, yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah. Let me Anxi- crib from... Anxiety, depression, like mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I relate to a lot of these things in this list. Great. Okay, you're about to be cured because I'm going to read from Luke Hawkins' <laughs> Twitter. Um, uh, a thread that he's recently posted called How to Get Rid of Anxiety in Six Simple Steps. Dude, brackets, this is so good. Slides. Wait, six steps? That's so... Because I'm 30 right. years old and yeah. I've been struggling with this stuff for as long as I can remember. Yeah, okay. You ready for this? Okay, He great, says, yeah. what is anxiety? Anxiety this is fear is of the future. Step one is what is anxiety? We haven't even gotten to step oh, one. Okay, good. Okay, great. It is your mind focusing in the future what you don't want to happen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. So how to get rid of it? Step one. Accept that you are feeling anxious. Sure, that's Thank important. your subconscious mind for trying to keep you safe. Wait, is that number one still? That's still number one. Thank my subconscious mind for trying to keep me safe. You know what? That's useful. This is... Okay. Part of uh, part of overcoming an anxi- anxious situation mm-hmm. or experiencing an anxiety attack or whatever, at least as far as I'm concerned in my experience, is realizing that the thought pattern that you're experiencing or whatever is... Uh, a part of your self-defense mechanism uh-huh. and is not necessarily always going to be helpful, but it's uh, it's natural response, you know? The word that I take issue with is subconscious, but we'll continue. Okay. Step two, ask yourself, what specifically are you anxious about? What is the worst case scenario your brain is focusing on? Then ask yourself what the negative meaning your brain is making up about you if it were to happen. That sounds like something that is sometimes helpful, but is also a bit unclear. For example, worst case scenario, what if I run out of money? Negative meaning, I won't be able to pay to survive, which will make me feel worthless. Sure, got that. Sure. Step three, change the meaning around the worst case scenario into something that makes you feel safe no matter what it happens. So the vibe I'm getting from that step, and I might be misinterpreting it, Mm. is basically stop thinking that and instead start thinking something else. For example, if I did run out of money, that would not make me worthless. God loves me no matter what, and I will always be supported. Oh, it's our friend in the heavenly skies above looking out for our mental well-being. Step four. Decide to focus on the scenario you want to happen and focus only on that. So four sounds a bit like three to me. Ask yourself, what is the scenario I want to happen? For example, I want to make X dollars in the next three months. So what that sounds like it's saying is instead of focusing on the fact that you're like living below the poverty line and, you know, living hand to mouth. To use this example and carry it through. Yes. Right. Um, Instead... Think about how that's not true. Is that focus only on making X dollars in the next three months? Think about how, okay, right now I'm living below the poverty line, but if I imagine money, it will happen. This is what we're talking about. Now, we will come back to Damien in a minute, who also professes to be a manifestation coach. Ah! Okay. Now, Luke Hawkins says that step five for curing anxiety is come up with a list of actions and things you can do to achieve your desired end goal scenario. For example, one, Rubber show bank. up to work on time. Oh. One, give your personal best. Two, 
Right? Is that seriously saying just try harder? Yes. Is this the Paris Hilton t-shirt that says stop being poor? <laughs> I feel like that has achieved more in three words than this entire segment. Write 40 messages to prospects each day for my business. Oh, great. So what this is is Centrelink. What you've described is Centrelink. Apply for many jobs. And step six, breathe into your heart and smile, focusing only on your dream scenario. With your hand on your heart, focus this from a place of gratitude with your head up and eyes closed. Breathe in through your nose for four seconds. Hold it for four seconds. Breathe out for six seconds. Step six has a lot of steps in it. This will relax your vagus nerve as well. Vagus nerve? Yes. Wait a minute. So step six is gamble? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Step six is... Great. Put it all in red. Um, And then (laughs) simply this, Savy... Repeat till it peace. Ah, and that's how you cure anxiety. Thank you so much. So look, this is the kind of stuff that Damien is involved with. Right. Okay. So look, we don't, that doesn't necessarily extend to his uh, relationship, uh, you know. But some of the behaviors and the practices are just like, later he says to just put your head on mine. He talks about how when you've got a spiritual connection with someone, like. You think it's all involved? I think that this is also involved. This is me turning a sharp left down conspiracy corner. Mm. I should say it may not be, but I just like, I don't see a world in which this isn't all interconnected in some weird way. Now, look, listener, I should be clear. I feel like I've said like, I'm getting weird cult energy from Damien. We mean this in the absolutely least legally actionable way (laughs) imaginable. (laughs) This is purely just a vibe thing. Yeah, look, this is this is the vibe that I'm getting is that I I am finding Damien to be distrustworthy based on the way that he is being portrayed on the TV, and I've also done a cursory Google and Instagram search. We've done the world's tiniest amount of research into this, and it seems just a tiny bit shady. This, uh, yeah, have it, a look. It just feels it just feels really like it's not sitting right with me. That's all. Yeah. You know what? Just have a look at Damien's Instagram page and just see what you think. Right, you know, exactly. We're just you can judge for yourself. <laughs> All we're doing is our own research. So, uh, Jenny, Felix's mum now addresses Damien and he says, and she says, Damien, are you going to be able to step away? And he's like, from uh, what? What do you mean? And she says, from Jess. She's like, oh, I thought we were on the same page here. You're going to be going and Jess is going to be With joining Felix? our little family and... Uh, <laughs> He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Damien's like, I think we will always be in each other's lives till the end. Which is wild. Mm-hmm. Felix says, if we were to move forward with this, I would expect to be in a monogamous relationship. There it is, putting it nice and clear. Right. And Jenny says, Jess, can you give Damien up? And this is where Jess starts to really skirt around it. Right. This woman is not, at this time, capable of giving a clear answer about at what this she time? wants. I mean, for the last many weeks and yeah. also probably up until the end of the show. Right. So she says, I think monogamy works great for a lot of people. Depending on who and who I do not end up with, I know 100% that I would want the experience of getting married to have the experience of having children. However... I question the idea of monogamy forever and ever till death do us part. And Jenny says to Damien, I feel, Damien, that you've been used for an experience. 
and I don't want Felix to be used for an experience. And then she turns to Jess and she says, you are a girl of experiences. Like, just call her a slut. It, uh, it is, it, this is a, this is a boundary breaking moment to it me. It's just this wild. Is, this is, because people have been referring to The Bachelor as an experience as yeah. opposed to a show. Yeah. Since its inception in 2002. Yes. Right? And the way that she basically stares right into the camera and says, that's the way bullshit. You keep referring to it as an experience. Yeah. I find that questionable. It comes across as not sincere. A relationship is not an experience. That's fascinating to me. That feels like an incredibly huge amount of work to dismantle the uh, the ground on which show. The Bachelor stands right. within the space of one or two sentences. Right, and she calls her a girl of experiences, which is, for me, so coded. Yeah, that I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah, It well, makes more sense in context, because at the mm. start of the episode, they just flash forward to her saying, you're a girl of experiences, and I'm like, we know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now Jess steps away. She's upset about this. She says, I'm the most uncomfortable I've ever been, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then Damien steps away to comfort her. Mm. And we hear from her in confessional saying, for Damien to come here and just like advocate for me, it's so special. Mm-hmm. Which I imagine she's really feeling that, you know. Agree, agree. And But this is so where we start to see Damien do some of this spiritual practice. He says, put your head on my head. And he goes, I am so, so proud of you. I am so, so unbelievably proud. You're incredible. Know your strength. You are brilliant, intelligent. You're an emotionally aware human being. He says, I love you. I just love you. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's, it's, this is so tricky because it, it feels partly like it might be some kind of weird, sus sort of like manipulation or something. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some weird thing that we saw online. Or it might just be somebody being really supportive to somebody who means something to the other person. And, yeah. you know, like this is the kind of thing removed from context. You could see this happening in, in a relationship and it being incredibly sweet and helpful and, you know. True. Yes. I'm suspicious, but that's okay. Max is extremely suspicious. Yes. I don't think we have to think Damien is a weird cooked cult conspiracist guy. No. In order for this to be an unhealthy dynamic. Uh, that's, like, I that's actually think that reducing to truth, it to that. In fact, yes. I actually think that reducing it to that is less helpful than yeah. thinking about it as um, just a weird fuck dynamic between some people, regardless of so right. whatever so websites right. and rabbit holes they've gone down <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think that the problem here lies between the fact that there just hasn't been clear communication between these parties, and they've instead decided and to that go no on one's to the willing bachelor. to do it. Right, right, yeah. and particularly in the context of what we got from Stella on Twitter a couple of hours ago, yeah. like the clear communication is really the issue, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Okay, Felix in ITM says I'm kind of annoyed here. <laughs> And me checking my watch, realizing that it's uh, almost 9.30 p.m. We're still watching this same episode of The Bachelor. I kind of agree. <laughs> I came to introduce Jess to my family, but it's become all about Damien again. <laughs> and again, Don't I'm you like... hate it? Yes. This is what has happened to this season of The right, Bachelor. Right, It's and absolutely wild. And you can sense that probably a lot of the other women are feeling that way too. Right, and they're going course. like, are we still fucking doing this? He's like, is this what my life is going to be like? And it's right. like, yes. Yeah, actually, you know, you get... The thing is, you don't you don't go onto The Bachelor thinking you're going to control the situation. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't get that. I don't... You shouldn't. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so now uh, Felix pulls Damien for a chat. And he's like, look, if I were to choose Jess, what would happen? And he's like... 
if she was to choose you, there would be a really big conversation between me and Jess. And already he's turning the conversation on its head. It's not, the agency is not Felix. It then becomes, if Jess were to choose you. Mm. And so Felix then says, if Jess is going back to Townsville, are you guys having sex again straight away? Right. Again, this is a key concern for him. Felix is really trying to get a straight answer out of Damien here. And this is as close as he gets. Mm. So Damien says, I couldn't promise you that. I love Jess. She loves me. Do you want to be with someone who is in love with someone else? It's this flipping, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because Jess and I haven't closed off our relationship. And Felix says, well, that will have to be today. Yeah. Um, so it finally feels like we're building towards an ultimatum. Right, here. exactly, exactly. And that's what it is. And Damien recognizes it as such. And he says, that's not how Jess and I operate. And then it becomes a question of who's going to flinch first. And eventually, Felix is like, look, Damien, if she loves you, she will walk out of the room with you right now. And to ITM, <laughs> he then says, I care about her beyond what my words are able to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> He has some trouble here. Okay, Damien then approaches Jess. God, it is getting late into the night for them and for us too. Yeah. My heart's going through the roof right now, he says. And the reason why is because I've just had a conversation with Felix. Fucking thank <laughs> you. Good to know. It's funny because if I had a conversation with Felix, my heart would slow right down and I would fall deathly asleep. Listen to how he frames this. Mm. He wants either you and I to end things now or we walk out together and go back to Townsville. Mm. He wants that. Yeah. Do you want to be with me? Right. The removal of himself. Mm. Like he's like, not, he's not even putting himself in. This feels so manipulative to Mm. me. And Jess says, I feel like I've seen a shift in Felix and it's something I feel positive about. I'm trying to gather all the information before trying to make an actual final 110% decision. (laughs) And this is where Damien shifts it. He says, are you still with me, team? And she says, I am. And he says, I love you. And she says, I love you. Yeah. (laughs) We're no closer. We are no closer. It's so frustrating. And so now we're back at the table. It seems like everyone else in Felix's family has fucked off at this point. Like it's late. It's late. And it's only Jess, (laughs) Damien, Felix, and one of Jess's brothers. Yeah. And Felix is like, look. Jess, while you've been away, Damien's feelings have gotten stronger. Have your feelings increased for Damien? And Damien interrupts and he goes, whoa, that's a conscious conversation that me and Jess are having. And Felix is like, no, that's a conversation me and Jess are having right now, brother. At this point, it's just like a fucking petty squabble between two dudes. Right, exactly. Like they're clearly fighting over her at the table. And the brother is like... We need to turn the pressure down on this. Yeah, he's like, hey, listen. Listen. I'm sitting here at this table for some reason, and I need you guys to just fucking take a chill Everyone just take a step back here. Everyone needs to think about how they're speaking to each other. And this is not a welcome interruption. The fact that he's there is is greatly offensive to Damien, and he tells him to leave, right? Yeah, Damien's like, dude. And the brother's like, no, no, look. All I'm trying to say, and he's like, dude, this is someone's relationship that you're talking about. And the brother's like, I just feel like we're interrupting each other a little bit. He's like, I'll tell you who's interrupting who. (laughs) It's awful. And so Damien basically makes the brother leave, kicks Jess's brother out of the room. And Felix then turns to Jess and says, look, I feel like 
I'm confident that you're in love with Damien. Is there anything in there for me as well? And this is where we start to hear from Jess. She says, I would not feel comfortable having that conversation after all that's happened today. At this point, she goes, oh, I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> End of episode. Right. We are. It's so fucked up. Yeah, what's fucked up about it is it's just been a colossal waste of our time. Everyone's As Matt Acne once said. <laughs> We're no closer. We spent so fucking long sitting on it. We went down a hundred <laughs> rabbit holes. Everybody's <laughs> talked left and right around answering the question. And Jess and Damien are still playing this like game, speaking this language that no one else understands. Right. Like Jess is trying to string something along. Damien's trying to manipulate her. She's trying to manipulate the situation. Like, I don't like either of them. It's gradually become unbearable. <laughs> and it's something that we were already tired of a few episodes ago. This is so, like, it's great TV. Is it, though? Oh, I'm so invested. To me, I feel like there was a time where it was great TV, and yeah. at this point, it has ceased being great TV. That's and maybe it's because it was a two-hour straight episode tonight, Yeah, and because now we've been talking about it for about Three nine hours. and a half yeah, hours. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the novelty is worn off. I get it. I think the it's driving me completely insane. <laughs> like The way that they seem like they're approaching an answer or seem like they're approaching a breakthrough or seem like something's about to happen and then they swerve away from it. Yeah. It is excruciating to me. Yeah. And I have enjoyed a lot of things about this season, but at this point I'm just like really anxious for it to end. Let it finish. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's a shame for me to be saying that because I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. There have been so many characters and moments and stuff that I have really gotten a lot of joy out of. I get it. Or even got a joy out of making fun of or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And at this point with this storyline having been so much of the focus. Yeah. And so harmful, probably, to the perception of what polyamory actually is and represents. And we should make clear that that is at the forefront of this. Right. And uh, in service of nothing. In service of nothing. Yeah. And, you know, there was some entertainment to be found in it, despite its harmfulness at a certain point. Mm. I think that, that for me, at least, has worn off. Oh, at least in this episode, it, it wore on me so much. Yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. I am just at the point now where, like... I want to see how well, of this course, plays we need, out. Yes, of course. This is, we need the, the... I need the resolution because I'm also so fascinated by what is motivating both of these people. Right. I just feel like we... Like, this episode, this two-hour block in particular, because it just went in circles this entire time... Because there was no Thomas. And I already... Well, I don't care about Thomas. <laughs> but I'm I already feel like we have been circling the drain with this Jess storyline for too long in yes. the first place. Yes. To have spent this much additional time with it and mm. still be no closer. Mm. I don't, I genuinely don't think we learned anything about either of them in this episode. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it all adds to character. Mm. It all adds to the building of particularly the Damien character. For me, that was the most fascinating part of like yeah. the end of this episode, but I hear you. It is laborious and we should end this episode yes. of the BOH pod. Hey guys, it's Xavier here. I'm just cutting in on my own because we forgot to record this part. It was very late at night, uh, but I thought I would get this on the record anyway. It's a segment we like to call The Num Num Numbers, where we take a very quick look at the Instagram follower growth from the past week. And for clarity, this is for the 20th to the 25th of January because we recorded so early this week. So let's talk first about our three leads. 
Uh, in third place, it's the Bachelor Behemoth with the blinding pearly whites, Felix von Hoff, with a gain of 707 new followers. Scraping ahead of him into second place, hey, oh, Gabagool, it's uh, Italy's own, the Thomas Malicelli, with 713 the new followers, uh, Mamma Mia. That is a difference of six followers, I should add, between the two of them. Between Thomas and Felix, there's only six between them. That's crazy. And finally, in first place, it's Jed McIntosh, of course, with 13,461 new followers. Wow, that is a big number. I can't even count. For clarity, let me. I just so we realize what we're talking about here. He gained six thousand five hundred and thirty-two new followers specifically on Friday the twentieth, and then six thousand one hundred and nine new followers on Saturday the twenty-first, and then fifty-seven new followers on Sunday the twenty-second. Now, I I haven't taken the time to go clicking around uh, on his profile and the people following him, so I can't say for certain. What exactly is going on here? You know, we talked about Tash buying followers early in the season. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say this with 100% certainty, but it is thought-provoking that you could go from getting 6,500 two days in a row to getting 57 the next day. Uh, and on that third day is the only one of those days where an episode of The Bachelors was on TV. Pretty interesting, if you ask me. But anyway, um, as for the beautiful women of season 10, in third place, she is basically the main character of the show for the second week in a row. She might have an advantage from getting followed by both of her boyfriends. It's Jessica Navin with 690 new followers. And in second place, we learned this week that she wasn't a match for Felix von Hoff. However, they both earned exactly the same number of followers this week. It's Tilly Skok with 707 new followers. I have to assume they're all exactly the same 707 people who went, I'm going to follow just those two and nobody else. Because um, they, what, I don't know, they still ship it? Who knows? And finally, in first place again this week, despite appearing on screen for roughly five minutes at the top of episode eight and then vanishing... It is the established Instagram queen of this season, Natasha Tashkandis Zwanetti, with a believable, you know, like, uh, you know, within the realms of possibility, but still surprising, 1,226 new followers. Well done to all of these wonderful people <laughs> and every other wonderful person as well. Um, okay, this is weird. I've never really done it on my own before. Uh, hope you're enjoying the episode. We love you. Goodbye. I'm very excited about the finale because, yeah. as you said, it is what we've been waiting for, yeah. whatever that is. I hope, let's have predictions for the finale, not necessarily about who who ends up together or whatever. Yeah. I hope the finale ends with like, uh, here's what's happening now. Oh, yeah. Or at least like, you know, because we know this season was filmed like midway through 2022. That would be great to get an update from each of the bachelors. Do you remember that? There was a Paradise season, I think, where they did that, where they were yeah. like flashed up on screen, like these people actually ended up breaking up or whatever. Yeah. That was really good. I would like yeah. to see that. I don't know if there's any guarantee of Just that. Just give a little text. Do you think we should record our finale episode really soon after the finale airs? Or do you think we should wait until we have some, like, you know, give it give it a day or two for all the shit to leak out on Instagram about what's really going on and that kind of thing, you know? Um, I think that we should try and record it after and then we should do a follow-up. Yeah. Okay, good call. 
Yeah, because we love talking more about what's happened. More podcasts every day of the week. Listeners, thank you so much for sticking it out with us. What a joy to be here with you and to talk about these episodes. It's still extremely rewarding and enriching to keep having these conversations. Yes. To keep working through this stuff. And, uh, and as I said before, all of the feedback and all of the support that we've been getting from everybody has been absolutely tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to join our community, we would absolutely love to have you there. You can find us on social media at BOHpod. You can find us on Facebook and talk to all of our other friends and fans and wonderful people at Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting. And uh, if you have a few extra moments to listen to some uh, past versions of ourselves talking about some other silly nonsense, uh, or perhaps you're just enjoying what you're hearing now, you've got a couple extra dollars kicking around, you'd like to support the show, please head on down to the Bachelor of Hearts Patreon page at patreon.com slash bohpod. For $5 a month, you can get two bonus episodes starting again from next month, assuming we don't die (laughs) from the finale. The finale is going to be shorter than this episode. Thank God. And uh, yes, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. Fantastic. We hope you're all doing well, um, listeners. We hope you are keeping <laughs> your head above water during this furious month of Bachelor. Getting a good night's sleep every night, unlike That's us. It. it is almost one a.m. Um, we're going to wrap things up now. Um, <laughs> listener, listener, we love we you. We love you. Good night. Just one hope.